This is how I work. This is no democracy. It is a dictatorship. Take your cake. Take your cake. Double hate. Load entirely. You're out of order. You're out of order. Everything that guy just says bullshit. Thank you. Life is cruel. I don't give a f what the deal was. The deal is now changed. Either you stay or you go. It's up to you. End of discussion. And we're back. We're back. We're we're no longer on that weird hiatus because of Nazario family and Cameron Redshaw's wedding and other things. We're actually back. It's the top 10 best animated movies of all time, according to these yahoos. So, let's bring in the panel one last time. Paul, I don't even remember who won or lost last time. I think you won last week or last time. It was me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, how are you feeling coming into the final episode? I mean, I'm obviously like these are my favorite animated movies, uh, even more so than the last three three weeks that we did this. Um, you know, I, I, we can also subtitle this series. Paul makes Bowen watch a bunch of anime he's never seen before, and uh, not stopping this week. But I'm excited to talk about all these movies and uh, get to a lot of stuff that you know ha- has sort of been brought up at the fringes, but now everyone's kind of it's coming to a head, and it's uh, it's gonna be fun. That is absolutely what this could be called. Uh, <laughs> Chance. Uh, I don't remember how you did last time. But how, how are you feeling going into this? Because you've lost a few weeks. I don't think you've won yet. Do you think uh, you're going to have a chance to win today? <laughs> well, not great. Nice well. <laughs> uh, I've been going with, with myself on this one, and I, that has not jived well with Bowman. I've been his whipping boy for the past three weeks. So, okay. Did, didn't, mean, didn't mean to make that a racial <laughs> thing. But this is how it came I'm out. so worried you're going to get me canceled, Chance. <laughs> That is like my biggest fear. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, you know, I I'm just happy to talk about some movies, some movies I love. So yeah, it's it's gonna be more of that this week. That's fair. Uh, Mark, uh, you just got out of a bar fight uh, with like five different guys trying to kill you. Um, you, you took them all down. Uh, how are you feeling? It's better than the real story. Uh, yeah, I'm okay. Like yeah, like. Uh, I mean, like Paul and Paul and Chance said, it's exciting. You know, we're here to talk talk about our top ten. Even though from the hiatus we had, it, I feel like it would have been funnier if we just never did the show. We did like <laughs> we 40, just 30, 20 and just we're gonna cut out like, twenty. And that's it. Like, a, you can figure it. out the rest. <laughs> like the way my name is Earl Ender. Uh, Zario. Uh, that hurts. That hurts. That actually hurts. <laughs> that that ending was. I actually really like that show. This show was funny. Yeah, it was good. Um, shout out to Jason Lee. Uh, Nazario, speaking of Jason Lee, we got a regular mall rat here. Nazario, uh, you don't care if I liked your list or not. Not even a little bit. Yeah. I am, I am, I am right. You can be wrong if you want. Fair enough. Well, enough grandstanding. Let's actually get into the picks. Paul, starting with your 10. My 10 is a yikes from a previous episode. Uh, my number 10 is Grave of the Fireflies. I believe that is yikes uh, for a little later. Okay. Okay. 
Cha chance, you're 10, right? You're 10. Yeah. All right. Uh, my number 10 is Toy Story 2. Uh, it's, like, I guess that's a yikes. Uh, yeah. Okay, then. <laughs> okay, Mark, your 10. Uh, all right. My 10 is The Incredibles. Okay, did, what, did nobody Did anyone have this buttons? lower? No, I didn't. Okay, Mark, you're really good right now. Uh, go go ahead. I I had a huge fear that, or you know, I guess it's good for me since you. Know, I, I I'm shocked that nobody else has this on their list. I mean, although although I do feel like I have like in a weird way that similar relationship because I do think because it's it's a movie that I don't think I like as much as I do until I rewatch it. And then like, oh yeah, like I, I like this part. This part's pretty good. And then I'm kind of just going through the entire movie because like the it because like it's a it is it's a original like hero like a like hero movie which like we don't really get a ton of those like usually like I mean today I mean come on like original superhero movie like we don't we don't get a lot of original <laughs> superhero movies like they're all based on something and like they're. And, like, it's kind of weird, like, how, I think, like, secretly dark this movie is. Like, in all honesty, it takes a lot of, like, stuff from Watchmen. Like, there's, like, and, like, I kind of like how it switches in and out from being, like, this, like, cool, cool action movie to kind of almost, like, this weird spy movie, kind of a la, like, uh, like, Golden Age Bond. I mean, the freaking villain's hideout is in a, is in a volcano. And, like, there's a just a weird weird one where he's walking into the, the dining room and like the like the lock like the lava walls open up which is weird but i mean this movie really lives and dies under the family dynamic and kind of and and i think focusing more on the micro instead of the macro and just kind of looking into how each of these people like affects like their the family in itself especially down to like how the powers kind of fit their role and just they also use that to just some really great dramatic effect, especially with like uh, Mr. Incredible at the end, like kind of making him vulnerable in those weird moments. But yeah, it's I mean, it's a movie that is so good. It kept people screaming about for 15 years about getting a sequel until Pixar said, all right, fuck it. We're just doing it. Fuck you guys. Here's your stupid sequel. Yeah. Uh, I. I I won't address the sequel. I'll just address this movie because this movie's amazing. Uh, we'll get to what's wrong with the rest of you in a little bit, but like, <laughs> this is legitimately just one of the most like clever, well-written animated movies of all time. Like, Syndrome is like top-tier animated villains, not just animated villains. Movie villains. I think Syndrome is actually a super interesting character. And, like, the dynamic between him and Mr. Incredible, where Mr. Incredible, they do set him up as, like, a little bit of a dick. Like, they're not afraid to do that. But, like, not to the point where he's unlikable to the audience. We still like and care about Mr. Incredible. But I think Syndrome, really, his, his storyline has almost gotten better with age as nerd and fan culture has gotten more and more obsessive. It has really improved with age. Uh, I think there are just so many funny, brilliant moments in this movie. From from Super Suit to everything with Edna Mode to Kari the Babysitter. Like, this, this movie, from a comedy perspective, is great. From an 
animated action perspective, the action is actually really good, which I don't know you can say all the ways for like these kind of animated action movies, like the the dynamics of the characters and how like their attitudes reflect their powers is really interesting. Uh, the voice performances are all great. This this movie is just incredible. I don't really, I can't think of any problems I have with it. I do kind of have a similar thing with Mark, where when I haven't watched the movie in a while, I kind of forget about the thing, how perfect the movie is. But then when I rewatch, I'm like, oh yeah, the movie's incredible. So, like all of you, it, like <laughs> you, you have, it's not like, You'll like two of you have lesser Pixar on your list, whereas like in then the Incredibles and Nazario doesn't. Nazario is the one that doesn't have lesser Pixar on his list. Um, but Nazario has lesser movies on his list. All of you have movies that should not be on here. I'm not saying you have to have Incredibles in your top 10, but at the very least, should have made it somewhere within your top 40. Defend yourselves. Uh, no, it should not, because it's not in my top 40. Therefore, it should not be in my top 40, because I would be lying to myself. Um, I really like The Incredibles. I watched it a lot as a kid. Um, I think it's a it's a great anime. It's a great movie. Um, I mean, there are original anime, uh, superhero movies that come out. Just nobody watches them. Um, but I do... Hey, it's great. It's got a great family dynamic. It's super fun. It's just not, like, one of my favorite favorites. And this is, like, top 40. I fucking love this medium. So it's, like, there's countless movies that i love that are in here um i wouldn't say this like barely missed the list but it was like relatively close it was definitely in consideration but they're just movies that i think speak to me more and uh have like more meaning to me personally so yeah i love it loving vincent really demanded a spot on the list it's, sure. it. it's an original style of animation that other movies don't have that's not another yeah. fucking yeah, movie. nothing burger of a story Chance. you haven't seen it in like four years <laughs> you didn't even rewatch it for the show I remembered enough about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, for me personally, I, I feel weird really with The Incredibles. Like, I do I think it's a great movie, absolutely. Uh, there's a period where I can't like, like eh, it's a little overhyped. Like, I, I wouldn't put it in top five Pixar. Like, just, just for me personally, I still, I still think it's great. Are there any, any movies that could throw off this list? But Incredible, yeah, absolutely. But I just wanted to take the opportunity to. Since I'm gonna mention enough Pixar movies that I love, anyways, I'd rather just I'd, ra- I'd rather take the time to just shout out some of the other things I love. Chance, you have Dumbo at 22. Nazario. Yeah, I do. The claws are coming out early What the fuck is your point? <laughs> you're, you're all insane for not having the incredible. <laughs> That's my point. Nazario. Is animated Fantastic Four a good movie? Yes. Is it as great as everybody thinks it is? Not really. Is my third best Brad Bird animated movie? So... It doesn't even, you know, and also, honestly, I think Pixar was upping their game with every movie they were making until this one, because I think this is maybe about as good or a little less than Finding Nemo, which I actually really love. So, I don't know. People seem to go gaga for this thing. It's fun. I like it when I rewatch it. Jason Lee is amazing because it's Jason fucking Lee, but (laughs) it's fine. Okay, Nazario. Well, let's keep your train going. What's your 10? Oh, it's me? Wait. Uh, Yeah. A better Brad Bird directed movie with Pixar (laughs) in it. Ratatouille. Uh, Yeah, it's a yikes. Is it yikes? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Paul, Uh, you're 
My number nine is a yikes from earlier. I think this is where it stops. My number nine is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So yeah, I think to me, this is the epitome of like using the media of animation to tell the story of something that exists inside of comic books. I mean, this movie has obviously been talked about a million in one times. Um, but I think the, the way that it draws out character from even like the side characters that are not protagonists are really interesting. And I think like every set of detail in this movie is so wonderfully designed and made. And again, like it was a movie that I thought was going to be bad. I saw the trailer and I was like, this, what is happening? Why are they doing this story with an animated Spider-Man thing? Um, but I think it really gets to the heart of what like Spider-Man is as an idea and how, it, again, it can be anybody. And I love all those little touches of the different Spider-Man from different universes and everything. Um, and I love the character of Gwen Stacy, the way that it's done in this movie as well. But um, every character, I think, is important to the story and serves um, sort of the thematic after the story. And it, again, it's beautiful and it's just fun. Like it's a movie that I was, feel like I can watch at any at any moment. It's got a great soundtrack. Like it's got pretty much anything you want um, in an animated movie, especially a superhero movie like this. And I think like it's so fun. Um, the way that it really, it just feels like it's made with such heart and such a love for these characters that I just like. Um, and it makes me super emotional too. When he's talking to his dad through the door, like I cry every time I watch this movie. And it's like, that's a lot of, and that's been a lot of times already. Um, I saw this like five times in theaters, which is like pretty rare for me. And uh, yeah, I just think it's a really special, special movie. All right. Uh, I believe everyone else had this. Or yeah. I think I also had it 22. I had Chan it a little higher, I think, on my list. I think I had it like 16. Okay, you go ahead, Chance. I'll take your word for it. Uh, but 18. 18 right. I had it. Okay, so. Uh, yeah, with Spider-Verse, uh, I think that this this movie, I guess someone who's a big fan of comic books and just Spider-Man in general, I think this does a great job of just translating, much like a lot of movies, but not quite like this, translating comic book to screen. It feels like a movie made with people who just like want to make a visual comic book, which I said about things like Sin City, I said about things like 300, but this is a little different because I think the, the anime format is used to greater effect here. Like, and just just the detail, like how some characters are animated on one, some characters are animated on twos. Uh, it's where like you'll see like the just the random like verb like verbal jokes in the movie, like where someone will throw a bagel and somebody just says bagel. Like, I think I think that's why I think it's got a lot of really great touches like that. I think vocal performances are all excellent, and I think that. Much like another one, which I think we'll talk about later, this really gets the heart of what it means to be Spider-Man. Uh, I think Miles Morales is an excellent character. I love his dynamic with just better in the movie. I think that, like, I, I think Paul talked about it before, but the scene with him and his dad at the door, I think it's, I, I think is heartbreaking. Uh, and yeah, I think it has some of the best Spider-Man action put to put to film. Which, yeah, I mean, and like Paul said, like it used the and format of animation to just do everything they can with a premise like this because yeah you don't have to worry about it but the camera you don't have to worry about training actors to do these things you don't have to worry about it looking convincing with real people they it could just be what it is and what it was is it's I, I love the color scheme of it i just love the out of the speed of it i think that everything about this film is absolutely excellent and yeah one of my favorite comic movies of all time yeah the glitch thing you can't do that with, uh, with like not animation it's like this crazy weird anyway. uh mark and azario i think you both had it at the same spot right yeah, uh, so Mark, just go. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I think what's really neat about this movie, it does kind of, it turn it turns Spider Man into, like, like an actual like American folk tale. Like it break, like it, like I hate harking this to an iron combo character, but like it kind of like reminds me of because always in Batman they always talk about how Batman is a symbol, and I think. 
weirdly like uh, into the spider-verse kind of does that like actually does that for spider-man they turn spider-man into a symbol just somebody who just wants to do good and just like make a difference and you know be a hero just for the moment it calls them and it it's also a movie that's very aware i think how to make miles morales work because i was i mean because i was like it was something that everybody always clam clamored for but i think what was always interesting about Miles Morales as a character was him kind of filling the void that Peter Parker left. And they managed to do that in this movie and it into some really awesome ways. And, and it's also like everybody said, it's just incredibly creative and it walks this line. And it also shows like, you know, no, like it shows like a weird thing that I feel like no other no, no, no other name in Hollywood can do this. Like we really have to pay attention whenever, like uh, uh, fucking Lord and Miller. Yeah, Lord, thank you. If whenever Lord and Miller have their name on a, on a movie in really any capacity, like if their name is on it, you know it's worth watching because they somehow just like put their influence on it, and it you know comes out amazing. Imagine if Lord and Miller had their names on a movie and then it just got like taken off halfway through production. That would be insane. Uh, Nazaria. <laughs> <laughs> Everything they said is accurate. I'm surprised nobody mentioned the music yet, though. I did. I love I it. Did you? I didn't hear you. Other than that, uh, I love how imaginative this movie gets. Uh, I love the performances. I was the first time I watched it, and I figured out like that Peter Parker B. Peter B. Parker was kind of what they wanted us to think about the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. I was a little disappointed that they didn't go ahead and get Tobey Maguire for it, but. Jake Johnson then killed it. And I was like, fuck Tobey Maguire, this guy's best. <laughs> I really like his performance. Uh, I really like the twist they do with some of the villains. And, uh, I mean, I dig that what they were wanted to change with the, the Green Goblin, but I really love what they did with Dr. Octopus. Because Catherine Hunt, just, it, it's amazing. The one thing I would say, not so a little bit down for me, is like, I, I like the multiverse aspect of it, but I don't think they... It's like they have Peter B. Parker, they have Spider-Wen, and the rest. They don't even get like a separate entry scene. Everything is like the three of them always together. And it, I mean, it's fine. I mean, I know the time restraints and the, probably the budget didn't allow for like they go that deep on it. But it just makes me more intrigued about what they could do with sequels. So let's go. Yeah, I think the three of them are used the exact right amount. I think any more, they maybe would have gotten a little bit annoying. Uh, but overall, this movie's brilliant. Uh, just, I, I was kind of in a similar situation to Paul, where I, after the trailer, thought I was not going to like the movie. Um, and then I just heard, like, the mad praise around it. I was like, okay, give it a shot. And yeah, movie's fantastic. The only thing I have, I'm not big on the the collider action scene towards the end. I, I just, for some reason, the action there doesn't work for me. Uh, I think there are other great action moments in the movie. That one, I think it's just there's so much going on. It's kind of hard to keep track. I mean, it's of a, it it's a classic like third act superhero final battle problem that I think is like. As we see, it's always I there. Yeah, that, but I'm yeah. not gonna. I mean, it's better than the. I, only I hold that against every movie that has that problem. Uh, but outside of that, I don't have a problem with this movie. Voice cast, 
fantastic from Shamik Moore to a perfectly casted John Mulaney uh, to uh, Jake Johnson, who I think is doing a really good job. Lily Tomlin is an underrated Aunt May. She is great. Uh, and th- this movie just, I, I, I love what Mark said about basically turning Spider-Man almost to like an American folktale. Cause that's kind of what this does. Uh, the whole movie is just brilliant. I love Laurie Miller's style of humor. I it just, the, the kind of sincerely meta aspect of it just really plays to my sensibilities. Uh, so yeah, fantastic pick all around you all. Good. You all had it. Cause if somebody didn't, <laughs> boy uh so uh chance your nine uh my nine is the nine before christmas that's right, cool. a yikes <laughs> never, never mind <laughs> he said it you said it after you coughed after he said time i have no idea what the fuck i'm talking about <laughs> i did not that's my bad <laughs> <laughs> uh mark your nine uh, okay, uh, my nine is uh, Toy Story 2. Oh, <laughs> fair. Okay. Is this where it ends? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, uh, go okay. ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, t- try to make this, this one quicker. Um, yeah, I mean, it, as a whole, like I really love the Toy Story franchise. It is um, it's one that like I, I think is, is just overall pretty brilliant. It's also one that I feel like is really held near near and dear to me it's about time i spent it i think just kind of at least to, like to kind of belabor this on on this one i think what the thing that uh i think really really draws this one to me is like i like how this movie i think it i think probably more so than the first one it really leans into the parenting theme of at least of at least what the original trilogy kind of goes with and kind of making Woody like a pseudo dad to Andy and how it kind of plays with the fact how it, it, it's pointing at the reality at least for parents of like you know one day my kid's gonna grow up and he's not gonna need me anymore and I and he's gonna be kind of going on doing things in his life I'm I'm not gonna be a big big a part of it and kind of what and, and kind and kind of what what does uh, like somebody like kind of do in that situation like how they react and kind of what like kind of how do they plan forward and also kind of and also just kind of point out just at least as a toy perspective and kind of how kind of how heartbreaking and and dark like just kind of you know a kid's relationship can be with their toys like it just also it has just a a really neat kind of underrated villain and like a Wayne like just kind of Wayne Nice is just a toy collector just kind of going out making a quick buck and well, it just adds in like a really fun like adventure story with the rest of the toys, and just uh, has a number of those kind of emotional hitting moments that I think uh, Toy Story eventually you know kind of be known be known for showing. But yeah, just uh, but, but yeah, I like this movie quite a bit, and although it's just not twice as the others. Yeah. Uh, Paul, uh, I believe you had this at ten. I did. No, no I didn't have this at ten. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, first picture movie show B and E on screen, um, but uh, I think that when it comes to Toy Story two, I think that an aspect I really like about it is the theme of, theme of immortality. Is what really touching on with Woody's Woody's storyline. We find that like, hey, like I'm actually like I mean something. This I, Andy is potentially moving on from me, 
and I mean something to somebody else. But if I choose this path, I won't get to do the one thing I love for the rest of my life. I'll be cherished for the rest of my life, but I won't get to do what it is I love. And I do, and I do like the more dilemma with him. I think that traditions of uh, Joan Cusack as Jesse is really great. Uh, the whole uh, once you love me see, scene is uh, the big, big, big tear jerker. Also, cause I'm welcome to maybe have a well, not maybe definitely have a career with ASPCA. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I think that there's a lot with me that's well, a lot, a lot of Twister movies. Like, you get the great writing, you get the great cast, you get a lot of good jokes with it. And yeah, I think that this is, I, I, I also love this series. Not the first, this is not the last time to see mentioned this, this series of this episode, but uh, yeah, I think that Toy Story 2, it used to be, I mean, it's it's still like to a lower tier. But I still think that makes it an excellent film. And yeah, it's one I love. The only thing I'm not really sold on is the. I know people disagree with me on this one, but the uh, the whole twist villain of uh, Prophet Pete being the bad guy. It's just it's a little it's a little thrown in at the end. I think it's done better in a later movie, which we'll talk about later. Okay. So did have this? I, I had it at eighteen. Okay. Uh, this is my favorite Toy Story movie. It's a. Uh, it shows some growth. I'm, I'm honestly not the biggest fan of the original Toy Story. I wasn't a child when it came out. I was already in my teenage years, so I was kind of like, eh. And also, it's the one that I feel like it has an age great. I mean, it was the first CGI animated feature length, so obviously it wasn't going to do that great, especially the human people. But scared, They're terrifying. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk, about, we'll talk <laughs> about that. We'll talk about that. As, this also hits me as a collector and a lover of toys in a different way than other people because I have that constant fight every time I, I buy something I really love. Like, should I take it out of the box and probably play with it, play with my son, put it in a, in a somewhere where it looks pretty, or just keep it in the box and put it in a, you know, somewhere where, where it will gain value with years and then probably sell it. Uh, from experience, having had to sell several things i didn't want to sell because of money issues doesn't matter how much people pay you man your toys are your toys and that feeling that andy gets when he finally gets woody back that, that there's no price on that i do like prospector pete i actually don't mind that twist at all uh but my favorite uh moment of the whole movie it's uh when gary from gary's game Shows up get, as a toy get, restorer. You can't rush art. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and on point. That's like, a, it's like a weirdly cathartic scene. I can't explain it. Yeah. I really, really love this movie. It's great. Paul, you did not have it, correct? I did not. No, I did not. Okay. Uh, but Toy Story 2 is my favorite Toy Story movie. I love this film. I think this does so much so well uh I, I the way like the dramatic elements of basically everything inside al's apartment is where you get a lot of the more like dramatic and like really like the a lot of the philosophical elements that really do come from the toy story franchise like i don't think know if the toy story franchise really gets enough credit for asking a lot of questions for a franchise that is essentially just about toys coming to life like it is they they go in a lot of different directions and i think pete really hits in like pete might be my favorite villain of the franchise because i think Pete like actually has a lot of good points like 
Pete is in some I'm saying in some ways Pete makes sense. If you look at it from no, his I, perspective, I get it, I get it. yeah, yeah. Pete obviously the way he goes about it is not the right way to go about it, but like in terms of like yes. And it was kind of, he he's like, he's like point, correct. Is <laughs> Andy going to take you to college on his honeymoon? That is a direct line. And that is later, that actual line of questioning is dealt with in the later Toy Story movies. But uh, Pete hits home in a lot of aspects. Uh, and the way he kind of resents uh, Sputnik and the space age toy taking out the cowboy craze kind of reiterates some things from the first movie. There's also just a lot of really funny moments of the movie. Everything with Buzz and the rest of the gang from Andy's room is just really funny. Uh, and Jesse is just a perfect addition to this franchise. Joan Cusack, I, I think, is just one of the most undervalued actresses working out there. Like, she is so good in so many different ways, and, and she's perfect. Um, she's overall, great in my view, heaven. Yes, she is. I haven't seen My Blue Heaven, but fair. Uh, but Toy Story 2, easily my favorite of the Toy Story movies. Paul did not have this. Yeah. For one thing, uh, Prospector Pete, you don't know what Andy's future partner is into, so you have no idea if he would have brought Woody on his honeymoon. Um, I used to think this movie was was just kind of like it was kind of mid, honestly, not just in terms of Toy Story, but just overall. But I've grown to really appreciate it a lot more. The two things that kind of keep it from being like a favorite favorite for me is I don't really like Prospector Pete as a villain. I think like any movie that tries to make an obvious twist seem like it's a surprise, like that, oh, it just doesn't really work for me. And I, I don't think he's, I mean, I sort of get where he's coming from, but I don't find him a compelling villain. Um, and then I just don't really like the song When She Loved Me. I think that's a well-made sequence, but the song itself, for some reason, oh my has always God. not has always not done it for me. Um, maybe it's the poison of the Sarah McLaughlin ASPCA commercials. I have no God idea. ASPCA. Um, but there's something, I don't know, there's something about that song that has never, that it, that's kept me from totally emotionally connecting to that moment. Moment. Um, I really love the scene at the end where at the, they're at the airport. I think that's like an awesome kind of an action sequence. And there's so much crazy, frantic stuff going on. Yeah, my favorite sequence is honestly the the one with Jerry fixing up Woody. It's like those satisfying YouTube videos where it's like people putting things in the perfect spot or like it just there's something satisfying about the way that he's so skilled at his art. Um, but yeah, those two really are the, my big hangups for keeping it like one of my absolute favorite um, animated movies. Um, I've I, again, I've grown to really like it. It's not my favorite of the series, but it's it's no longer my least favorite of the series either. Um, and it's a, it's a super, it's a really good movie. Yeah, it's a one I totally, especially like this. is wasn't it wasn't one of the Pixar's that I watched as much as others as a kid. So I think it doesn't have as much of a connection for me. So yeah. Uh, Garth just called My Blue Heaven better than Goodfellas, and I haven't seen My Blue Heaven. So can, can we I, put can we put Garth on trial right now? And tell him why he's right. I mean, that's just a thing people um, say it to be like ah, because it's similar and uh, it's good. It it's like you don't have to take it that far. Fair. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, that was March ninth. Yeah, my ninth. Yeah. Okay, so Nazario, you're ninth. A lot of overlap. My number nine is a uh, little one stitch. Okay. Uh, wait, did anyone have this before? Yeah, I had it twenty three. Yeah. I think everyone had it, right? I didn't have it. Oh, okay. You're a bitch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let this. Uh, Jesus Christ. This was um, very very unexpected. Uh, this movie came in a transition period for Disney when they were. 
not undecided, let's call it the green continuing, like the old musical style uh, 2D animation uh, from the 90s, and trying to dip their toes into 3D animation. Uh, they also decided to try to do more epic storytelling in a bit with like Atlantis and Treasure Planet, and it were it had mixed results, let's call it that. But then this came out of nowhere, the, the little movie that feels like it was drawn in watercolors and with a very simple story about an alien who was created to be a monster and learned to love. Uh, it sounds cliched as hell, but it's anything but. This movie is so imaginative and so freaking hilarious. It's, it's, a, it's the kind of movie that hits you out of left field. And even when they did that, the commercials for it, like with Stitch jumping in like every other Disney movie. And everybody was thinking like, this guy's going to be so annoying. Even me, I was like, yeah, this is going to be like, uh, they're going to force this little monster thing to try to be funny and it's not going to be, and it's going to be cringy as hell. But it's not that at all. The movie, it's, it's selling its own little thing. It's set in Hawaii, which I think it was a brave choice at the time. And uh, I basically... It's very, very centered in a small family relationship of a sister who's raising a big sister who's raising her small kid and just trying to make ends meet and having to deal with social services, coming to the house and judging everything she does, even though she's doing the best she can. Juxtapose with the the kid that is just a little off the beaten path and a little weird and it doesn't fit with the other girls because she has different interests in which I, I also can really relate to that. Uh, especially when I kept playing with toys when everybody else stopped, you know, to feel a little weird. Uh, and then the relationship she forms with Stitch is just beautiful. Uh, there are little scenes particular, like, just come completely surprise you. I really love the one where she tells him, like, you can do whatever you want, and he decides to build a miniature version of San Francisco to destroy it. <laughs> that that is just funny. Uh, every character in the movie is hilarious. I like Doctor Jumba. I like Bleakly. Uh Cover Bubbles is great, and Gantu like trying to hunt them down with his massive side. It's just, I, I, it's such a lovely little movie that I never expect to like as much as I do. And it's it's top three Disney for me. Like Disney Animation Studios, it's just there's nothing wrong with it. Really, I really love it. Paul, where did you have it? This was my 20, so I have the next highest. Um, yeah, so I mean, look, I'm kind of an easy mark for this. This movie is not only set in Hawaii, but literally on Kauai, the island that I live on. Um, sure. Uh, I mean, I will say Myrtle is like a horrible person, but also like I definitely know girls like that at <laughs> that do hula, like red-haired white girls who like to push people around, and it reminds me of a lot of people that I know from my elementary school. Um, but no, I think <laughs> this movie... Um, more than any other Disney movie, I think, um, really like lets you sit in a child's loneliness and sadness and doesn't shy away from that aspect of Lilo as a character. And I think that's like really powerful. Um, I think it's got this great family story too of, of Nani, her sister, like raising her as a single, or I mean, essentially like a single parent who like with their parents are not around. And I think like that familial connection is what makes the movie really ascend. You know, the other stuff is really fun, obviously, like the adventure elements and the stuff with the sci-fi, um, you know, with Jumble and Pleakley and all those characters. But um, the stuff that makes this movie special is is the fact that it lets its characters um, know, um, like, be who they all, who, who they are and, like, not try to be some, like, cookie-cutter. The, the, also, the marketing of the movie is weird, basically, like, Stitch being like, ah, I'm evil, I will ruin all other Disney things. Like, the other ads were really strange around this movie, but... Um, what it coalesced into is like this really beautiful 
tale of like someone finding a family in the place they didn't really expect to. Um, and I just think it's it's really beautiful and moving. Uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of like, yeah, I'll more or less piggyback up with it. What uh, you still already said, it Lilo and Stitch kind of a it works off of I think two things really really well that it's it's really funny and it's got a ton of heart. Like it, it I, I'm shocked honestly by how well a lot of the comedy holds up today. Like I mean. <laughs> I, I the, the scene in itself, e- even though like it's kind of a sign of like oh things are like really going to shit of when Bubbles shows up, like just every single moment is comedy gold from just the the moment like you know he he holds out his hand to, sh- to shake Lilo's hand and say your knuckles say Cobra like it's it, it's just amazing from that point on and like they they honestly get a lot of neat stuff out of the Elvis thing. And, like, Stitch just has, like, a number of just kind of weird, quirky one-liners. They also get a lot of, uh, like, a kind of a lot of, like, like physical and visual comedy. Like, it, it's great. And then, yeah, the, like, the hard on display is just, it, it's shocking. Like, it it goes back and forth pretty seamlessly of this, of, of Nani trying really hard to walk this impossible line of being the, a fun sister, but also as being the, the lone parental figure. It, it also kind of points at the notion of, like, you know, maybe, maybe, like, she isn't right for Lilo at the time. Like, maybe, like, what she offers, like, is not what she really needs. And it, it really shines a light on that. And, yeah, kind of showing that through Stitch's eyes of, of a part of a, an alien that is just meant to destroy, like, is, is really neat. And, but yeah, like, it, it's also one that even as a kid, I'm like, yeah, this shouldn't be as good as it is. And I, I'm kind of shocked at how well it's it's aged to today. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is my favorite animated movie of all time. Uh, so, you know, uh, that that may not bode well for someone else. Uh, but well, yeah, I, I just lost this list, but okay. <laughs> well, but brilliant, um, Brian. Oh, I absolutely am playfully. I I I can't even argue with that. I I'm playfully. Um, the mosquito population. Uh, but I, I think the comedy in this movie is so brilliant without ever, like, taking over. Like, they know exactly how long to keep every character and how scary to make certain characters and how weird or how goofy to make certain characters. I think it is, like, just the perfect balance of so many different elements. But... To me, while the comedy is great, to me, that's the cherry on top of the Sunday. The thing I really love about this movie is the connection between Lilo and Nani. I think that is absolutely what makes this movie, because they do fight like real siblings. Uh, it, it feels so real, but then they they do come together like like real siblings. They have that, that bond, and there is just something so beautiful about their connection and so heartbreaking like it really is like has some of the saddest moments in any disney movie like and it's not afraid to have some quieter moments of course offset with some of the crazy stuff the aliens but it's it really is not afraid to, to be emotional which i feel like as someone who grew up in that era a lot of the animated movies of that time are very much trying to be like shrek and don't get me long i like shrek but 
a lot of like ah pop culture references and and being like too cool for emotions and like ah, yeah like not engaging shark tail stuff yeah like this movie isn't afraid to just be what it is and i think that's why it has on i i I would say this movie is more (laughs) now than it probably was at the time uh, I think it is because it's cons- it, it's a timeless movie uh, for a time where really timeless movies were the least timely thing. Uh, but I, I this, love this movie. movie. Came out the same weekend as Scooby Doo from Raya Gosnell, and that made more money. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> also, my <laughs> also, also, David is great, and like, is not ne- not necessarily talking about much. He's he's, he's an awesome movie. character. I gotta make two trips. <laughs> okay, fans. Uh, yeah, no, like this is a movie that I don't. It's one of those movies that I don't watch very often. Every time, every time I do, I love it. Uh, again, kind of like Rebels. Could, could I have, like take that movie and just plugged and played it? Absolutely, I could have. Um, but you know, I just wanted to. Wanted, this, wanted to. This isn't an Atari. You don't just plug and play. It's what top forty, one of the greatest animated movies of all time. And I have no, no problem. Not gonna, not gonna have it. I don't know but I just wanted to shout out. Fair. Actually, no, not fair. You, you wanted to shout out Dumbo. Yeah, Dumbo I did. I mean, really, really stuck on me. this. I explained, I explained <laughs> really that weeks ago. Do you not pay attention? <laughs> Do you not pay attention to the black dude no. talking? I don't care. The, the okay. me <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> Paul, you're eight. Uh, my number eight is a uh, fantastic Mr. Fox, which was a yikes from earlier. I believe this is yeah. where it stops. Uh, this is my favorite Wes Anderson movie. I think it takes Ooh. his stylistic tendencies and his interests, and I think boils them down into a story and a medium that really suits all of those things. Um, and the, the thing that I think his best movies have is this like melancholic remembrance of a past this that's why this is grand budapest i think have in common but i just love how these characters are so specific in particular um and they each have these eccentricities to them but that's what makes them kind of endearing um the ending of this movie like really makes it really emotional weirdly when they end up in the grocery store and the way they just look around at each other um and they just know that they're going to be okay i think that's really wonderful um but again, I think it's also just really funny and like it's full of visual gags, both visual um, and in the writing, obviously. Um, but I just think that again, like it's such a beautifully imaginative movie and distills all of his abilities into one form so well. Um, all the family and the different animals, like they all have their own part to play in, in the heist that they do um, and all these other hijinks and stuff like Whack Bat, like all these. Um, parts of the movie I think just make for really fun and revisitable. I watch this thing every Thanksgiving because I think it's the perfect Thanksgiving movie. Um, and I just think it's an absolute delight and it looks great. And the score is like one of my favorite animated scores. I think it's such a beautifully gorgeous piece of music by this block. Okay. Uh, who else had this? Mazzario I did, had, but I, I think Mazzario had it higher. I had it at 13. Yeah, he definitely had it higher. Uh, I love Wes Anderson, man. He makes great flicks. Ironically, not the Grand Budapest Hotel, though, but everything else. I put his two animated movies in this list because I love them both. But this is the one that, you know, kind of has that, I don't know, a story, like once upon a time look to it. Like, it feels like a fable. Uh, It's based on a rolled out book that is the 
just as interesting. But he added all the Wes Anderson things to it. And it makes it kind of really, really special. And the acting and the voice acting is so poignant. I, I don't know. It's like they, they make some choices and they stick to them. Like I love Meryl Streep as the as Mrs. Fox. She is brilliant. I love Bill Murray and everything he does, and but he especially looks like very, very dry in the Wes Anderson movies. And I really like that. It cousin me, it cost me, it cost you. I mean, it's great. Owen Wilson, of course, is in everything he does, and he's he's good too. I, I like Jason Schwartzman in this very much. And uh the the Bonds and Beans uh song that they do at the end, it's pretty pretty great. The whole way the movie looks. It just feels like it. It feels like a pop-up book, and I really love it. Uh, it's it's one movie that I, I have seen with my kid like twenty times, and I do not get bored with it. Every single time I watch it, I, I just love it a little more. Yeah, I think works, there's a lot of works about this film. I think I think the stop motion is is incredibly innovative. Of course, the guy that was Anderson is gonna pick something like stop motion to tell his movie, but I think it also creates a great environment. It, it does very much blend for like a blend of like real world stuff with uh, the rolled up with the rolled elements of the book uh, I think the cast is incredible chemistry I think it's the fact that they did record all their lines in the same room which is an incredibly uncommon practice for animated movies um, and yeah I think it's, it's it's really smartly it's really smartly written like I like I love the whole idea that anytime they want other obscenity they just say the word cuss instead and they keep that through the time I, th- I think that, I think that's hilarious uh, I think yeah uh, no, Bombeck, who I think, co-wrote or wrote by him. I think it's a co-wrote co-wrote. script. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, I think they did a great job of uh, doing this as an adaptation. I love Roald Dahl's book. I think they make for really, really interesting stories and make for great movies, and this is this is one of them. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mark, you didn't have it, right? Nope. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I this movie's super charming. Uh, this just in terms of pure animation, this is I just think is one of the most beautiful animated movies. I never thought of really doing it as a Thanksgiving movie, but I do think it was like a fall movie. I was fall thinking. vibes are just, they're, they're out <laughs> yeah, of Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I, I just, fall movies, I'm more get like October-ish. Or well, they have the Thanksgiving November. scene, I think is why I oh, thought yeah. that. Yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying you're wrong on that. I'm just saying I, I don't really, ass- I'm more like early November is where mm-hmm. I try to put this movie, but no, that's totally fair. Um, I, yeah, the, it, it's got that Wes, Hander, Wes Anderson, like, dead panish humor that really vibes with me. Uh, I, I think that just, uh, it's also an animated heist movie, which there aren't enough of, and I really like those, uh, more animated heist movies. We need more of them. Lupin the Third was a really good animated heist movie that we need more of. Um, but yeah, uh, th- this one's real good. George Clooney is just perfect for this character. Like he, he amplifies every, like he, he is, I think underrated in terms of his comedy. Like he is really good comedic timing. And overall movies just really well done. Uh, yeah. Mark, you did not have this. This is not as bad as not having the Incredibles or Lilo and Stitch on your list, but this is so rough. That feels, that feels like a target. It feels like a target. Unfair. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I'm just saying, one of these are worse decisions than the other. Go ahead, Mark. Look, Mark. <laughs> L- listen, I, we we don't need a rehash. You know, my my Wes Anderson rant. I mean, a couple couple episodes ago. I mean, he just he he is a director that I feel like every time I go and see his movies, I feel like I'm gonna like it. 
more and then I just kind of don't. And it's just one of the, it's just all, there are always movies that like, oh yeah, okay. Like, and they, I, I like them and then, you know, they just kind of, you know, they just kind of leave. And I, I, I think Miss Fantastic Mr. Fox is at least, um, a, is at least one of his movies. It's the, one of the most well-made. Like, I'm not going to sell, tell you that it's not uh, the artistry in Fantastic Mr. Fox isn't, isn't, you know, really good because it is, it's, but it, like story wise and stuff, it it feels like it's a movie that has everything I'd like, especially with the heist angle and like the anthropomorphic animals. Like I usually like that a lot, but here it just I don't know, just it you know that like it it's just too Wes Anderson Wes Anderson e you know for me that's a word. Oh, and it is by by the way by far the best George Clooney movie of two thousand nine. Caleb Coho, don't at me, don't at me. Up in the air, not as good. Coho hasn't seen this. <laughs> um, I think I would yeah. agree with that. Uh, yes, I have, dumbass. <laughs> you hadn't for a really long time. Shut up. Uh, so that was Paul's name. The chances are. That's a my eight. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've definitely lost this list, but uh, whatever. Uh, my number eight is Fantasia. Uh, so Fantasia gets to it gets it gets the root of what I love animation in general, in that I just I, I love art as as just as just like a medium. No, like I know, like okay. you know what I mean, like okay. cl- cl- like classic art. I know I get what you're saying. Just the way you said it was was very yeah. cool. Go ahead. No, so like yeah, like I, I'm a big art person. I love art history, and that's just the thing that just appeals to me. And Fantasia is the movie that makes me feel most like it feel it makes me feel like I'm watching an art museum play out. Uh, not to mention, I love I love musical, musical accompaniment. I'm a big scores guy, and I think the, the idea of pairing of having animators animate over incredible pieces of score, incredible pieces of music, I think was really was a really inspired choice at the time, especially at the time because they're following up two mass successes with uh, Snow White and Pinocchio, which the year which was a few years after. Um, so yeah, uh, there's not really a whole lot to talk about as far as story goes. It basically is a bunch of there's a bunch of segments animated to collect the classic piece of music, but I do think that there's like what I like about this movie is the fact that I like the way they use music to convey emo- emotional experience, which I think that it's something the music can do is not a lot of movies, not a lot of things, not mediums can touch on and or at least don't do well. I think that it has a lot of emotional simplicity to it. I think that when they do go for story, I do think they're very easy to follow by the fact that there's literally no dialogue in any of them. Like, The Sorcerer's Apprentice has become an iconic thing at this point. My favorite, my favorite one, personally, is the, the last one, Night of All Mountain and Ave Maria. I love the combination of the dark shadows and dark overtones compared to a song that's usually you know, seen as a very, you know, a beacon of, you know, Christianity, a beacon of light, or a beacon of, like, good things. I think that's a really good juxtaposition to have in the last segment of the movie. And... Yeah, I know that this movie isn't for everyone. Lots people find it boring, but for me, I think that I like the simplicity of it. I like movies with a lot of atmosphere, as you can see with the entire my list. And I think that movie, this movie is all of that. Like I said, I like most the most simplicity of it. I think the animation is gorgeous. I think I think it holds up, and I also think that um, the presentation has a bizarre sense of humor to it in certain in certain segments of it. So yeah, again, not gonna not gonna be a fan, but I do love Fantasia. This over the Incredibles. Mm-hmm. Over mm-hmm. Lilo and Stitch. This this is what we're going with. Yeah, we are. Sure, I, I will get this out of the way. Not on Bold Mountain is incredible. That is the thing I will give this movie. That that sequence 
is a beautiful sequence. It it's scary, and then it morphs into the just haunting Ave Maria. Incredible. Sorcerer's Apprentice is iconic for a reason. It's really good. The opening one, I also really like. Just pure, yeah, abstract visuals. Great. I don't like the rest of so the Cata Fugue in D minor. That's the name. Yes. I don't like the rest of the segments in this movie. I think the rest of the segments are all not great. I'm I'm just not impressed with most of them. Uh, yeah, the, you get the premise very early on, and then it's just like, oh, okay, this is just the thing. We'll wait out the thing to the next thing. Oh, okay, this is the thing. Wait out the thing. Wash, runs repeat. I think, I'll be honest, even though I think it's not perfect, Fantasia 2000 does it better. I think that one, this, there are more consistent segments. Rhapsody in Blue is incredible. There is, I agree. I I really like I, I really like uh, Donald's arc. Like I yeah. just think that one has my, 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 my problem two thousand don't stem from the from the segment. Probably stem with the presentation, but whatever, keep going. But to me the presentation is like ten percent of the movie, not even ten percent of the movie. It's such a small thing of that movie. I I I'll give you if you do Fantasia two thousand with the other presentation, sure. But overall I'm just this this is so high. Number mm-hmm. eight. Everyone else, Paul. Uh, yeah, I love this movie. This was pretty close to making my list. Um, I don't. I actually like the Rite of Spring. Is that the dinosaur, the, the dinosaur one? Yeah, Rite of, Rite of Spring. I really no, like that segment. That's the worst. The, what? Does that I like it. I like that. I, I think. Music. I think a lot of it. I just like really like the music pieces in a lot of this. So I think that stuff carries some of the visuals. But I think it's really. I think it, again, it's doing different styles and it's doing different types of stories. And I think it. The stories fit the music really well, and I just find it really compelling and like a great audio visual experience. Um, again, like it obviously didn't make my list, so I, it's not like one of my favorite favorites. But I this I really like this movie, and I think like the stuff it's doing, especially for like the time it came out, is like really like mind-blowing um and you know i don't think i like every moment of this movie but i think like the good parts of this movie are like better than the good parts of like most other animated movies um it just some of the other stuff drags it down a little bit for me but i do really like this movie a lot honestly mark uh yeah uh i've never seen it i've never really had any interest in seeing it and um yeah there we go I'm sorry. This movie is too goddamn long. It's over two hours, and you feel it. That's the problem. Like uh, segments separately, some of them work, some of them don't. You are wrong. Right of uh, spring is doesn't work. Right spring is great. Uh, Shut up. The pastoral symphony was racist, and they made it less racist. And I actually think that's of the hour is kind of fun. I like that one. I think the the parts are better than the some of its parts. Like the the movie as, it, as a total thing doesn't really work because they went, they, he overdid it. Disney went too far. He did the movie too long. He did the Fanta sound that not everywhere could show, and you cannot really get that experience now anyway. And it, the only the one thing I would agree is that uh, Fantasia two thousand uh, like flows better because it's like forty five minutes shorter. Like, you get what you get, and if you like it or you don't, at least it was over. Uh, this movie is a movie that begs to be loved. Is it significant in historical terms? Yes, it is. 
Does it have great segments in it? Yes, it does. But overall, I, I just don't think it works. It's, I don't know. I don't love it. Okay. Uh, now we go to Mark's 8. Uh, yeah. Uh, like some earlier, my 8 is Ratatouille. Um, okay, I guess I'm answer. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, even like uh, even though I really wanted to hate uh, Nazario's, uh, you know, third best Brad Bird like, movie, and like, well, like I do, I like you got one. Ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I realize that, until, like you said, it. but but yeah, I mean, this, like, I am shocked by how much I like this movie. Like it, it, it is a, it is a time in Pixar when. Like I, I felt like as like, you know, as a, as a teen, I was growing out of Pixar. I kind of stopped seeing their movies in theaters. I mean, I stopped at cars because I mean, it's fucking oh, cars. The worst I mean, time to stop at. Yeah. Right. No, yeah the, so <laughs> much you missed. I'm seeing oh, yeah, the movies up. Anyway. Yeah. I caught up eventually, but yeah, like this. Cars it, it, was not that bad. Y'all need to relax. That's not what I was I saying. Like, conversation for a different time. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, like it, it it's a story that, uh, in all honesty, really shouldn't work. It is, you know, it's uh, a fucking rat who learns how to cook, or is he a mouse? But, uh, no, he's a rat. He's <laughs> definitely a rat. But but yeah, uh, but but yeah, like it, it's just it's just such a strange story. But like it's one that's injected with so much heart, and it it's also like ha- just kind of has this really awesome theme just about like people like who just want to create and just be imaginative and just kind of how just any great piece of art can come from anywhere like it doesn't really matter like who it is like anybody can make it and it also has a thing that so few movies know how to do right and this one probably does the best of any they find a they find the perfect way of how to make a, a critic a villain because it feels like every movie that ever does it fucks that up and it just kind of fe- it just kind of feels like every director is doing it like listen like they're, they're just angry that you know a critic doesn't like their thing and like they're just being like pissy children about it but like this one like they find a way to like make it integral to their to their uh, to their to their plot and to their theme and honestly the one of the greatest scenes of, of any Pixar movie when he takes that bite of Ratatouille and he goes back to when like he was a kid and like it 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 is fucking awesome and like it it leads into honestly one of the best monologues like we'll see in any any Pixar movie like it, it's it's one that like I, I'm just shocked how much I like it and it's one like I always go back to and it honestly is one of those movies that does kind of weirdly inspire me to do like great things so, so yeah ratatouille is fucking great all right uh everyone else on or, no. yeah my bad i think this is one of those movies that you don't you don't really know where it's going the first time you watch it because pixar trailers used to be very vague they used to come out like a year before and usually they had like an animated segment that had nothing to do with the movie uh just announced it and just moved on uh I had no idea where this movie was going. And to be fair, for like the first 20 minutes, I was like, okay, let's see what happens. But the movie gets better as, as it keeps going on. And they also find a way to animate food really beautifully. Like everything in this movie looks delicious. 
Like, which is weird when you have a rat in the kitchen as your main character. There are some shots, though, that no matter how big they make the eyes of those rats look, it just fucking looks awful. Like when the, all the rats break through the ceiling at the old lady's house, or when all the rats are in the kitchen at the end of the movie, when they just show up like this, when the health inspector shows up, uh, you, you're like, yeah, they're rats. That's not, that's not nice. But I, I want to give props to the Antonigo character. This movie also has one of the biggest leap of faiths I think that Pixar has asked of us, and it's the fact that a rat can control a human by pulling his hair. But you just have to go with it. That's the biggest leap that that's taken. <laughs> to me, that is yeah. like, really? That's insane. It is insane. <laughs> anyway. That is wild. Anyway, tell me about your size, talking cars. Precise, like slice and dice. Like, come on. Well, but the... Uh, the thing is, like, in the end, when Antonigo shows up, and he's such a great character, uh, you can basically think of any art form. As Of course, as a movie lover, I just thought about movies because I can I know critics like that. I know the guys who have seen everything and feel like everything it has been done and nothing is new and are so cynical that they just enjoy tearing other people's work apart. And then it comes out the little movie from the, the little independent guy who never... Nobody expected anything from them, and they thought it was going to be a piece of shit, and then that just blows your mind and, and makes you drop all that cynicism and say, like, hey, that that was art. That was beautiful. <laughs> you can do that with food. You can do that with movies. You can do that with anything. Just have a little faith. Great fucking movie. Uh, Paul, you had this, right? I did not, no. Uh, chance you didn't have Thank you, Paul. I didn't have it either. Okay. Uh, oh, no. Ratatouille is my favorite Pixar movie. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, I I think this movie is so broken. This, this movie just speaks to me in so many different ways. I, I love movies about this kind of dynamic between, you know, one character has the the real ability to pull this thing off, but they need kind of the face to actually get it done. And th that dynamic between Remy and Linguini, I think is, is really beautiful in the way that forms into the friendship, I, I think really works. And it has a lot of like really interesting philosophical elements to it. Uh, Colette, especially like her kind of speech towards the beginning where she is basically like, uh, you know, why, like, basically just giving, like, why she's, like, the toughest, because she has to work harder than every guy there, because she gets less credit, and I think that's really interesting. I love the side characters, even though they don't get a ton of screen time. I think the side characters all work really well. Uh, I killed a man with this, with this um, is a quote that when I was, like, eight years old, I repeated oh, that. God. Oh, oh, God. Oh, God. I can't even imagine. <laughs> it was... I killed like, a man with this thumb. With this thumb. On the bus, that was <laughs> the funniest thing ever when you're eight years old. Um, but that, that whole movie is just great. But the dynamic... Exactly what Mark said. Anton Ego. Anton Ego is a character that should feel flat. And should feel like just a basic straw man, but he isn't. Because part of it is he's kind of right in some aspects. He is correct, and then he isn't. 
And I think that's really what makes him so is that he's he's willing to actually embrace the new and he advocates for uh Remy's edge. And I think that is what makes the dynamic of this movie so perfect. And it also just looks beautiful. Like we talked about the food. But this this is just one of the great Paris movies. Paris is just one of the great cities to set a movie in. And this is to me like top tier just Paris looks beautiful movies. Uh love this film. Uh Paul Chance. <laughs> go ahead. Shit. I mean, it's in my top five Pixar. I just barely missed out on the list. I think it was even on the original list I sent you, to you. You and get I think a little I bit of a pass it. because it was um, like your 43. Yeah. Um, I will say, so first of all, uh, at Malcolm and Marie, at Birdman, this is how you engage with critic characters without looking like fucking morons. Um, number yeah, two, if anybody... Oh, yikes. Um, number two, um, if anybody's curious, there's this studio called... Um, God, I think, it, is it Video... Toyland Video, who does these knockoff versions of animated movies, and they have a version of this called Ratatouing. You can find it on YouTube, Ratatouin. and it's the shittiest animated... <laughs> the shittiest animated <laughs> movie I've ever seen, but it's fucking amazing, and it's so bad. Um, it's worth watching. It's like a... It's like they watch... They, they, what they do is they watch trailers, and they try to make their own versions of guess what the movie's about. Um, that, that That is an, an insane project. But no, I think this is a great movie. I think the Anton Eagle character is like... One of the great Pixar characters. Um, I, I guess I just the stuff with Linguini is a little bit. Um, I don't care as much about that as I do. I think the rest of the, some of the rest of the stuff the movie is doing. Um, anytime Jenny Garofalo is like being a bossy character who's telling people what to do, that's always great to me. Um, but yeah, I, I it look makes Paris look beautiful, but it doesn't really. It's not really Paris. It's just like City X that like kind of looks like Paris. I feel like it doesn't engage with the city. I think would have been interesting to see it like have some cultural stuff more in there. Um, but I think it's a it's a great movie. Um, again, there's only 40 slots. Um, decided to give it to some other stuff and just barely missed out for me. Um, but it is a very good movie, obviously. Uh, Chance? <laughs> Damn, I, can't, I just can't, I can't get a break on this show. Bubba, Bubba <laughs> treat me like FEMA did. Uh, so, <laughs> anyways, uh, with Ratatouille, Ratatouille is great. It's, it's one that actually, funny, I did watch while I was going into Paris a few years back, and I, I forgot how much I really loved that movie. Uh, it's just, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like maybe Paris, maybe the thing of it. Uh, but yeah, uh, so it's sitting a little outside my Pixar top ten. You know, I, I do think it's great. But Pixar for me is just like it's it's a you pick them, and there are just things I like better, and things I I thought were more interesting picks for my list. So yeah, that's why it's right on the list. And uh, if it, even if it cost me the list, whatever, or cost me the cost me the. Oh, you're not right. winning. I know you're, I'm not winning. That's out of the question. Uh. I, 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 I just don't want to lose. That's, that's, that's my goal. I just don't lose. Well, we'll see. You're not looking good, but we'll see. Still got seven spots left. <laughs> don't like that. Um, so, uh, who's next? Nazaria. Uh, yeah, Naz. Uh, my eight is a yikes from earlier uh, Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this movie, man. What what can be tell said about this movie? I, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but basically, it's like an animated version of a small town in Japan during the the tail end of the of World War Two, where like basically the war was about to be over, and yet the Amer the enemy, as they are referred to, they never actually like specified the enemy bombs the village, and the during the bombing, their mother is killed. 
it's a teenage boy and his little sister and then how they have to struggle to survive amid the chaos of this town life that has been turned upside down uh they look for shelter with family but uh they go to an aunt who doesn't really care for them and like sees them more as like a burden than you know somebody want to take care of it's very it's a very abusive relationship that they soon decide that they maybe they may be better on their own and then the movie just unrelentingly shows the reality of a town destroyed by by war where two kids who basically have to fend for themselves and just to be able to survive have to deal with uh the animation it's as beautiful as things that usually do with ghibli and yet you can never get i mean it they look like anime japanese cartoon character but they feel so goddamn real like you never like if this movie was made live action it would probably get a bunch of awards but i think the veil of animation <laughs> allows you to you know get to the point where the movie wants to take you and be able to digest it i've seen this movie three times in my life every time i watch it i feel like it was very very transformative it's not something you just pop in the in the vc in the in the you know blu-ray player or whatever and watch every day but it it is kind of life changing so everybody should watch it at least once yeah this is yeah so yeah, i had we're, we're, we're still we're still yeah sorry just... my bad my bad yeah. Uh, no, you're good. So yeah, I, I this movie obviously has a certain reputation for being like super depressing, and it is harrowing. But I think it also has a lot of humanistic touches to it that I think like go beyond just simply being like overpoweringly depressing. Um, I think Takahata is a filmmaker. Is someone I obviously is not talked about as much as Miyazaki, but I think he has just as much artistry in his films. Um, and I think the score for this is incredible. And the composer like never worked again after this, which is really sad, honestly. Um, but I just think this is an incredible movie that, again, it shows that this animation can be anything. And like, this is just a war drama. It's not like, you know, some whimsical tale or anything like that. Um, and the scenes in the train station and in that open field and everything, like those scenes are just so gorgeous and beautiful. And they remind you sort of the fleeting nature of life. Um, and how quickly that can, you know, appear and then disappear. Yeah, the aunt character is, like, one of the most evil characters to ever exist. Uh, um, she's terrible, obviously. Um, but that's what happens sometimes in a war. People don't act like their normal selves, and it changes the way that some people behave. And um, it's, it's rare to see a movie from the perspective... It's, it's rare to see the movie from the perspective of, like, the victims of a bombing like this, I think, in a way that I think, like, really lets you connect to them as people and as children, especially. Like, that's kind of what makes it extra difficult. Um, and it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous movie. Again, it's not something I watch a lot, um, but I just think it's it's beautiful. Um, and, and, and like Nazaro said, I think everyone should see it at least once. Yeah, and I had, as the extra me, I had a little uh, lower on the list, and this film, this film was excellent. I was, I was like the game on this one. Uh, but I'm kind of glad I waited because I feel like if I watched it younger, I wouldn't have fully comprehended the emotional weight of this film. Um, but yeah, when, when I finally saw it, it was I, I, I was crushed, and I think that's and I and I don't mean that's a bad thing. I think that it really just shows you just the humanistic side of you know these what what happened to these people. Uh, I think that the two the two of them have like they really great bond with them the entire way. Uh, I think that 
I, I always think back to the one scene where she's like with mud, like rec- rec- recreating food, and it can be, like it's like it's it's charming in a way that like, she tries to stay positive, but like you all just like you feel bad because like you look at her, like she she's like they're somehow nourished, like they just need they they need, they're so they, they they these kids need help, <laughs> and you just like it, it it builds you up in Ripley Park all at once. I think this film is excellent. It might be the highest. Anime, no, I'm sorry, Spirit Away. Oh, Spirit Away is the highest anime movie on the list. So. Yeah, I, I think this film is is genuinely excellent, and yeah, if you haven't seen it, just I, I think you should watch it at least once. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, oh, you had. I, I saw it. Yeah. I did. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, whenever I went through my initial Ghibli watch, like it. I mean, this is obviously one that people talk. You just hear people just you who watched at the time. Just nobody ever shuts the fuck up about this movie, and rightfully so. I mean, it, it's pretty great. <laughs> And, like, I, I think the thing that got me the first time that I saw this is that it's, um, like, it's the it, it's the first movie. I, or, I mean, I wonder, like, how many movies, like, show this. It's the one of the first movies that I, that I have, that I've seen that, like, shows, like, the real, like, war effects on Japan, which is kind of weird because, like, Japan is uh, of probably of all World War II. It, it's the country that was probably affected the most by World War II. I mean, they they got fucking two nukes dropped well, on them, and like we yeah. just kind of and like nothing's like kind of shown in that one, which is which is you know really really cool and like trying showing the story through two kids that are just trying to survive is you know it it, it is it's really cool and just like super heartbreaking at times. And yeah, like um, yeah, like like I said, I won't, won't spoil it, but yeah. Also going through that, yeah, like uh, Paul said a lot. Like Isao Takahata is not is not a director is not a Ghibli director that gets talked about very much, and he really should be. I mean, the guy, the guy did you know probably like their second, third best film. Like, yeah, this movie's incredible. Yeah, this is a tough watch. I've o- there's a reason I've only seen it the one because that that one kind of broke me, and then immediately after I watched a different Ghibli movie that we'll talk about later. And that was the perfect thing to watch immediately after. Uh, Cause I definitely recommend if you're going to watch this movie, watch it where you can put something happy afterwards. Have a chaser. Have a yeah. chaser. Have a chaser. Have a chaser. <laughs> uh, I, I, I do want to say Adelaide Spence, you're a terrible person. If you remember what Adelaide Strand said about this movie. I remember. Oh, God. I forgot about that. I literally forgot about that. That yeah. was rough. This, it, you you basically all hit the nail on the head. And anything else, I'd just be rambling. You, it, It's a beautiful film. Sad. Uh, kids. Adelaide Spence 2020. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, next, that was Nazario's 8. So, we're at Paul's 7. If my internet holds up. Okay. Uh, so we just talked about Anissa Takahata movie. So uh, how about another one? Uh, my number seven is Only Yesterday. Um, this is a story of a, of a young woman who she's 27 years old. And then she has this journey where she revisits the memories of her youth, um, including a lot that have to do with going to the countryside. Um, this is not a merely rural or wrong adaptation, surprisingly enough. Um, but I just think this movie is so gorgeous in the way that it looks at our past memories and the moments of our youth and how it makes us the people we are today um, and how much we can change and grow from those moments, but still have 
those connections to the moments of our youth where she goes to the bath bathhouse and she volunteers to work in this field. Um, and again, this movie, like I, I love that in her old memories of her as a kid, everything is kind of washed out. Like you don't see the full detailed backgrounds. It's just kind of the outlines and the people. Um, and in general, I think the movie is very low key in terms of its scale and its scope. But I think what it what it observes about humanity and everyday life, like that stuff is so um, gorgeously rendered. And to make this after making Grave of the Fireflies is such an interesting step. I think for Takahata as a filmmaker and for Ghibli as a studio. Um, but I, again, like it's a beautiful movie and the ending like wrecks me every time. The moment on the train where there's all the people there, um, I find that such a perfect moment of self-actualization. Um, and that stuff's incredible. Again, all the little details of her youth and, and the times that, you know, that these connections he had with people um, and different places. Um, again, it sounds kind of abstract, but I think the movie does feel a little bit dreamlike, which I guess is a quality that I love in animated movies is when, it feels like a distant memory or like a dream that you can't quite get a hold on. But I think this movie is incredible. It's this, again, the, as always, Ghibli, the music is, is immaculate. Um, and I just think it's a beautifully observed movie that, again, this is like a Ghibli movie that no one ever really talks about, I think. Um, but I think it's incredible and it's always moved me, um, especially the ending, I think, is like incredible and, and brings all the themes and all the character stuff to a head in, in the most um, gorgeous way. Um, yeah, only yesterday. If you haven't seen it, I'd, I'd highly recommend it. I'll be honest, I really wanted to like this movie, but I was not impressed. I like the concept of, like, hey, you know, the looking back to childhood, but, and I, I like some of the dynamics represented by, like, the 1960s, and there are some really good things about it, but overall, I just wasn't very invested. I, it just was a movie I, I wasn't. Super impressed. I'm not surprised to be honest. I didn't think this was going to be that you liked. Yeah, I it just it it wasn't for me. I don't think it's bad, but I I wouldn't call it a movie I will ever revisit again. Probably. I I just I, I just think it's slow in a way that does not work for me. It, it's just like there's a lot of sequences of yes, I get it. The fact that like the the pineapple is supposed to be like a significant moment for her, but it's not a significant moment for me. So ultimately, it works for this character. But I, I just think we're spending a whole lot of time on just a family eating a pineapple and being a little disappointed by it. And I think it, it's like no, that is a. Big scene in that movie early on. I sure did, but just the way, just, 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 just like this, you saying it out loud. Yeah. The way you no, it, that's the thing. Is it's a movie that just takes its sweet time where I don't know if it necessarily needed to all the time. And I get it's supposed to represent the memories, but I, there's a point where I just stopped caring. And I, I'm sorry. I wanted to like it. I wanted to give it a fair shake. I just, it wasn't for me. Um, has anyone else seen only yesterday? I have not. No. No. Um, I, I actually, that I, rousing recommendation. I'm sure people will be uh, running out to see it anyway. Go ahead, Mark. Well, Sorry. But yeah, I actually, it's weird because like we, I mean, we just talked about uh, Takahata's best movie, and we, uh, I, I think, transitioned to his second best movie. I, I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of what uh, I think um, Paul Paul said earlier. Like, it's kind of a, uh, it, it's a good representation, I think, of what the medium can do, just because it's. It's not trying to be anything else. It's just a charming coming of age story, and I, I kind of like that. And it's it's honestly one that Takata had to make after Grave of the Fireflies. I, I don't see how he could have made any other movie but this movie, and just kind of make make one that's just a 
a nice story about this this girl kind of like coming to a truth in her life. And but no, I I do actually like this one more. I, I liked it more than I thought I would. Just uh, like the amount of heart it had, and I'm like yeah, I, I I just think like there's just there's just a couple more Ghibli's that I liked a little more and why it made. But no, only yesterday is pretty great. Uh, yeah, that's everyone for only yesterday. So, uh, Chance, your seven. Uh, my number seven is Aladdin. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Aladdin, I think, is a weird outlier in the Disney. Well, I at least the time was a weird outlier in the Disney Renaissance, and that it, it didn't really feel quite like anything else. It felt like Disney trying to appeal more to the boy demographic, and this is another film I had later on. In that, you know, the main character, the main character was a male. It's, it focused more on jokes and less on the romance, even though the romance, I think, is I think is well done. But the fact that uh, it was kind of based on that, what I do think adds to like, the, the relatability of it, because you know, people do end up in that situation. Uh, and yeah, people, I think that the animation for this is great. I love the use of color in it. I think that Agrabah the city looks, I think it looks excellent. I love the color grading of it. But I think what ends up bringing this home is the fact is, of course, everyone knows it's, it's, it's the genie. Robin Williams is the genie. Uh, I think he's excellent. And this is the first, uh, first real attempt at making, at having like a celebrity voice actor. Well, I mean, Vincent Price is one, but this, this is this is like a name, dude, a dude who could sell movies on his own. And he just he just came in and he injected so much life into the gene, so much personality into it, into character that I mean, I'm not sure it, it's hard to think of another actor who could have made that role work at the time. Uh, I think that he's I, th- I think he's hilarious. Um I, probably an worst nightmare because he was notorious for going off the script. Um but I think that I think someone said about Emperor's New Groove a, a while a few episodes ago, probably Paul, uh, that movie reminded him of Looney Tunes. I think that I think that parallels here too. I, Genie for, for me reminded me a lot of, of Bugs Bunny, in that you know he's very quick, he's very fast, he gets away with a lot of stuff. I mean, he's always the one that has been the biggest last enemy in the room. But I also think that, I think the villain's great. I love Jafar. The fact the fact he's very clearly evil, um, but I do think he's a really great sinister bad guy. Music's excellent. Uh, so many great songs. Friend and me, part of, um, not part of your world, fucking whole new worlds. Um, uh, Arabian Nights, Prince Ali. I think that there's a lot of. Uh, the, the music, the music, is fantastic. I love what Mankin did with with this particular soundtrack, and yeah, I think it's got a lot. I think it's ultimately got a lot hard to it. It's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite of the Disney Renaissance, and yeah, that's my list. All right. Uh, who else had Aladdin? I don't think anybody did. I think it's just me. <laughs> Nobody. Okay, chance. Uh, you lose a little less of the hate <laughs> I gave you earlier. Uh, you make up for it. Uh. Aladdin is great. I I used to be a little bit more cynical on Aladdin. I used to say, eh, music and genie's great. The rest of the movie is eh. No. The whole movie is great. I was just looking for things that were wrong. Uh, I I really like um, Aladdin as a character. I think they do him well. I think Jafar, I used to be kind of like Jafar wasn't a great villain, but no. Jafar is just so weaselly menacing like he's not like a lot of the other disney villains of the renaissance era are these kind of big empowering figures whereas jafar is just a weaselly little bitch and i think that's what makes <laughs> it very entertaining um because he he's just he he's just this this weasel he just works behind and just usurps everybody and i think that's what's great uh the movie is 
the the songs are incredible. The animation style, I really like the purples and the blues uh, and, and the golds. I, I really like the color palette of this movie. On um, what can you say about Williams that hasn't been said? Like just the greatest voiceover performance of all time. Uh, Up there for sure. Everyone else, really, no Aladdin. Some of you had TV adaptations and animation <laughs> that my girlfriend loved, but no, no Aladdin. Okay, as the person who I don't think was addressed by either of those two digs, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't um, like I were, but not one of the bad ones. I really like most of the soundtrack. I don't really like a whole new world. I think it's kind of a really generic ballad, to be honest. And I think like the other songs are a lot. I love Prince Ali. That's like I think an incredible song. And like even like One Jump Ahead, I really like a lot. Like I listen to that song all the time. But that stuff, I, the Robin Williams performance is interesting because it's like it's great, but it's such a per weird performance that it almost like tilts the movie off its own axis and becomes like Robin Williams kind of thing more than like the rest of the movie, and it feels disconnected a little bit. I also think that I think that uh, honestly, Aladdin and Jasmine are just kind of thin characters that I don't invest in a ton. I think on paper they're interesting, but I don't think their characters go in any way that I think is particularly fascinating. So it's like a it's a super fun adventure movie. It's got like a lot of really good music, but um, a lot of that stuff is just a little disconnected for me to really like love it the same way. Um, and yeah, just it's never been like a, a favorite Disney movie of mine for whatever reason. Just there's some things here and there that I think don't fully connect. Same. I mean, I have mentioned before that this movie is in like twenty something. I I don't get the love for Aladdin. Is it a fun movie? Yes. Is the genie great? Yes. Uh, but this movie is sandwiched between two of the the best movies Disney's ever made. So I feels it feels like a lull to me. It's fine. Mark? I mean, yeah, I I feel like I came to this movie too late. I I, I honestly didn't watch Aladdin until kind of like well into my twenties. And you know what? Like I, I don't know the the way that. That honestly, like you both kind of started off talking about Aladdin is kind of how I feel about it. Like, you know, music's pretty good. Robin Williams, like, it injects life and in anything he does. But I mean, I just think the overall story is just kind of fine. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's not, it's just not a, it's just not a Disney movie that just really, uh, that just really, that just really gets me. And I think uh, they've done way better. And Nazari also hit on the head too. It's, it's put into two of the, Two of the best Disney movies ever, and it does feel like a bit of a lull. Okay, uh, Mark, you're seven. <laughs> All right, uh, I think we're. This is where we're gonna veer off the uh, the path for a little bit. Oh boy! Oh no! Is a Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I was worried. I was worried. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's the next pick. But, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I talked about how much how much I fucking love Batman. Like he he's favorite character, and, and I, I, I it's weird because I think my brothers would always give me shit about not having this movie super high. Because I mean, and I've kind of, I've kind of leaned more to their way of thinking because it's I, I mean because even like I'll kind of rehash a little bit kind of what I said about the Lego Batman movie, just kind of where I feel like. Mask of the Phantasm kind of points this about Batman's character at a more darker level is that he 
like he like not only like is is he a guy that like he is a character that you know very very much shows off like this kind of this justice bound persona but like he's also clearly like just kind of what this movie points out he's also clearly a character that never expected to be happy again like which is just crazy to think about like you know when like basically like he kind of just fe- fell to the assumption that okay my parents died when i when i was like a kid and i'm never going to be happy again like it's just never it's never it's never coming back and like the the movie kind of puts like like batman bruce wayne in, in a very interesting position of him finding that happiness again and like in it put and also the first i think the first time like in any adaptation where he questions becoming batman where he kind of questions whether or not he wants to do it Be, like because like he now imagines himself as having something valuable to lose and like this relationship that he had like it and kind and then it it also kind of goes into one of the cooler aspects of batman that for whatever fucking reason like every single fucking batman adaptation just kind of forgets that you know what hey maybe we should do a mystery story with batman because he's a fucking detective like it, it's fucking stupid like it's taken the long so hollow is pretty great i haven't but, seen it but good to know i mean it's saying like it, it, we're finally getting to one where apparently matt reeves oh he's making a detective based batman which cool like it's weird it's taken this long but like i think they do that really well in the like the a uh, a movie created like a villain in the phantasm is really fucking awesome like it's it's another just great kind of dark version of batman if he was just somebody that was just consumed by his vengeance like it, it's like it, it is just crazily smart it's also i mean also you know conroy hamill are just the fucking goats and this movie really does gr- uh, best by kevin conroy just giving him just an just some amazing voice work to do, especially like one like where the grave scene has that, where it's, it, it, it's honestly one of the best animated scenes like of all time. Masio Phantasm is, is fucking awesome. More people got to check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nazario. Yeah, Chance has higher than Nazario, I think. Oh. I? I, I had a 16, Naz. Yeah, 27. You got it higher than Nazario. Okay, so yeah. Um, See, so yeah, uh, Batman anime series for me is my favorite adaptation of Batman. Just period. I think that when I think of Batman in a medium other than comics, that's always going to pop in my head first. And I think that with this film, which didn't do particularly well in release, just because they decided to release theatrically really late in the game, um, I think they did a great job of translating the television animation into a theatrical format in a way that it doesn't feel just like the show on the big screen. They do go bigger, they do go grander, they do try different animation tactics. Like they do use computer animation at, at some point, and it works really well. And you don't lose that gothic style that the TV show is so known for. Um, like, yeah, like I agree with Mark. I think Conroy and Hamill are my favorite Batman and Joker, and this is a movie where they get to really showcase their talent. And I also think it works as a really great Batman origin story. And what it gives me a lot of props for is that I think this movie better than any other Batman movie in live action. It does a great job of analyzing the psyche of Batman, like what makes him tick, like why is why is he doing this? I think that I mean no no one's Batman being kind of touches on that, but a lot of movies forget forget about that. They don't really analyze him as a character, and I think I think that's really I think it's a really great thing this film, this film does. It's real written. You do understand it, and it's. Mm-hmm. Done in a way in which it feel it feels 
really mature and feels really nuanced. I think that's incredibly impressive. I think the setup for the Phantasm is great, and they said they do a great job of trying to like mask who he really, who Phantasm really is. Like if you, if you you watch it again, peep the credits, see who voices him. I, I think it, I think that's a really cool way to throw the audience off. And yeah, I think that as far as anime superhero movies go, this is definitely my favorite. I had it at 27. Uh, this is top three Batman animated movies. It would be number one if I was uh, told you could put direct-to-DVD things into this. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely between this, uh, Under the Red Hood, and uh, Batman. Which Return I, of the Joker, the one, right? The Return of the Joker is the one I it's probably would have put number one because that movie is amazing. But yeah, this one, uh, it does the... It translates the spirit of the animated series into the big screen, and it looks like it. Which, like Chan said, like the the landscape is more luscious, the animation is more detailed. It is what you think it would look like in that scale, and I can tell you because they have done direct to DVD movies that just put it in the in the theaters for like a couple of days, and it, you can you can tell it was not meant to be seen in that size. Mask of the Phantasm was meant for this size. Uh, Man, Bruce Wayne does know how to pick him. Uh, the, 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 the guy had the worst dating string of women like ever. I mean, I, they're usually great characters, uh, but they always have some issues. And I guess darkness. Well, so does he. <laughs> well, yeah, so does he. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great movie. It's like. Uh, they were supposed to release uh, the next one, Sub Zero, in theaters too, but. It's not even it's not even close to the quality that Mask of the Phantasm achieved. And the twist with the Phantasm in the end is actually something that uh, probably if you saw the movie as, as a, over 15 years old, you probably see it coming. But it's still, it's, it's pretty amazing. Oh, and the Mark Hamill reveal, because you, for the most the most of this movie, you will not even know that the, the Joker is going to be on it. Spoiler. They already mentioned it. <laughs> but when you see how it connects to the Joker great stuff the way the joker is used in this movie is so brilliant i don't even want to like go into specifics but i love when the joker is used and the joker isn't the main villain i think like that's why like red i liked under the red hood so much and that's why i like here uh i i think this this mask of the phantasm is really good i don't know why mark was like a little nervous about this one. Mask of the Phantasm is a great Batman story and a great animated movie. Um, it, it really does go back to the like crime thriller aspect of Batman, which is what I love about the Batman character. Uh, yeah, Mask of the Phantasm is really good. And I say that as someone, like if there are people who haven't watched this because they're worried because they haven't watched the animated series, uh, they might not like it because of that. Don't be. I have watched maybe three episodes, and I watched all of them after watching Mask of the Phantasm. Uh, I do really recommend, even though I've only seen three episodes of the animated series, everything I've seen from it is great. Uh, but Did you Mask see Heart of Ice? I have not seen Heart of Ice yet. Coho gave me like Coho gave me ones I should watch, and I watched those. Uh, but yeah, Mask of the Phantasm, excellent film. Uh, Paul... I believe you're the only one who didn't have it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, what it comes down to is animated Batman. I've always really gravitated to Batman Beyond, 
Um, I love Batman's relationship with the younger figures in his life, in so whether that's Robin, whether that's Terry McGinnis, obviously in Batman Beyond. That stuff is like my favorite Batman stuff, especially animated medium. Um, I really like Masculine Phantasm. It just it feels a little slight to me, I guess. Um, I think the Joker reveal, honestly, um, in Return of the Joker is like even better and wilder. If you guys haven't seen that one, obviously the movie's called Return of the Joker, so that's not a spoiler. Um, but I, again, it's a fun, super fun movie. Animated series is great. Um, just never been one of my favorite movies. Now that one I didn't see coming. Yeah. All right. Uh, so your next one uh, is Mario. My number seven is the Lego Movie. Oh, that's right. Damn. Uh, <laughs> I've always been a fan of Lego. It was my favorite toy when I was a kid. Then I forgot about it when I was in my teens and twenties because that happens. And then the Nickelodeon show came up in 2012 and Lego got the license and my sister-in-law decided to, hey, it would be fun to give the guy who likes some action figures this uh, little uh, sewer playset where he has to build it. And I was like, huh, I haven't built Lego in such a long time. Let's see what happens. That was a big mistake. My <laughs> bank account drained. He had a relapse. Immediately. I, as soon as I started. I had a relapse because of you. As as the as I just started clicking the bricks together, the magic just came back. And when they told me two years later that they were doing a movie, I was like, I mean, it's bricks. How do you make bricks interesting? Well, they found a way. They... Brian Johnson found a way. Sorry, go ahead. Gordon <laughs> Miller, goddammit. Uh, yeah, they they found a way to make this this little world, which is the, the most in intelligent thing they could do. They just put it on the point of view of imagination of a child. And you you watch the movie, and if you just watch it for what is being presented for the, the longest part of this movie, which is a fantasy coming about a toys that change from uh, dragons and westerns and uh, futuristic societies and kitties with colorful castles in the sky. It's all insane, but it's exactly what kids do when they play with this. I can tell you it is. My kid does that. I give them, like, you have to build this with these instructions, and he does whatever he wants. <laughs> and usually, it's better, because, you know, kids are crazy. And then, it just, like, I was engaged. Like, they give you some hints about what's really going on during the movie. Uh, the, the icons they find, they have a museum of stuff, and you're like, eh, that's kind of clever. Once you see where it's going, though, it just it just turns and, and you realize that, hey, this this is kind of perfect. And I have mentioned this before because I've had this in my top 2010 animated movies. The first time I watched it, I, I wasn't a father yet. So as soon as I saw the kid messing up the display, I was like, what this kid? Like, I got to have a kid so I can play with my <laughs> damn this kid. If it was my kid, I would fucking ground his ass. Like, don't touch the thing. It has a sign. Go get me a switch. I make it out of Legos. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I rewatched it, having had my own kid and 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 I saw the same thing, I was like, I'm watching the scene, he's like three years old. And then the guy's like, Stop touching my things, look, go, there's your toys in the corner. And I see the, the pathetic little pile of random bricks in the corner. And then I look at my corner and I see a little pile of pathetic duplo bricks. I was like, huh, I became Will Ferrell. <laughs> Uh, Chance, I believe you're the person to have this movie. Yeah, I, 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 it's about the biggest gap between Yikes because I, I had the third year. Um, but yeah, I like this. Sorry, I, I grew up like Lego, Lego is my favorite toy. Like, I used to always get them on my birthday, any special occasion, I would get a new Lego. Um, but yeah, I think this does a great job about bringing on the aspect of people 
people people remember about Legos. People like we're fond of. Like the fact, like I like the fact that these the master builders build thing without instructions because when Lego was first introduced, they didn't have instructions. It's like here, here's, here's a box, a bunch of bricks, and here's a picture of what's supposed to look like. Figure it out, kid. Um, but I do think that they did a great job of making one movie that could e- easily have been a lot of a feature length commercial and bringing a lot of heart to it, bringing a lot of brains to it, bringing a lot of smart writing to it. I think the cast is uh, incredible. I, I think I think Chris Pratt's great as Emmett's. I, uh, I love Liam Neeson as a good cop, bad cop. I think he brings a lot of laughs to it. Probably mostly brought in his career. Uh, I think I think he's hilarious in the film. And yeah, the ending with the thought with just being a father and son story about you know the the son trying to you know be a part be a part of what his what his life is and the, the father neglecting because he believes in order, believes in believes in conformity. I think that's really powerful. I think Lord Miller uh, did a great job of that. This is a big screen. Like I said, it could have easily been a cash grab, but they decided to go the extra mile. And I, I do think that's something that should be commended in this case. Uh, yeah, I love the Lego movie. I think the Lego movie is just such a brilliant little creative movie. Uh, it, it feels like it should have been awful. It feels like it should have sucked. But they put so much effort and thought and care into everything. Don't cry, Mark. I love, <laughs> I love the world. I I love the characters. I think Emmett is really the he he is such a purely optimistic character, but not in an annoying way. That really, I I think that really works. Uh, there's just a lot of really funny jokes, and I love the way this movie subverts the chosen one narrative. And the way it does that, I think, is so clever. Uh, it, it really is just such a, a brilliant film where it's got that Lord and Miller meta but sincere that I just really love. Lego movie's fantastic. Mark, Paul, why didn't you have this on your list? Yeah, I think I mentioned this with the Lego Batman movie before. I think the humor is just too frenetic for me at times in this, and it's really chaotic, and it's like, the pace is just a little too much for me to really click with it. I think it's like so many jokes being thrown at you that it's overwhelming for me. Um, most recent time I watched it, I did like it more than I did the first time. Cause I was really like not into this movie at all. The first time I saw it, I think I, I mean, the, the artistry is incredible. Like the, like the visual things they do with this movie is are like really, really astounding. I think um, I just, the, for the story and like the, like what they're doing with the character of Emmett, like I like the idea of it, but for some reason it doesn't hit um, for me. And a lot of the humor again, is just like, it's just not exactly my kind of humor. So this has never really been a favorite. Um, yeah, it was great, though. Except with Mark. I like this a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I knew I was going to have Lego Batman was making the list. And so I was like, you know what? If Lego movie's going to be on, it'll be late 30s. And Ninjago's so number two. So you got to, you know, you got to have that one on there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I got. Uh, yeah, I honestly I think like kind of like the the coolest thing that this movie shows is how Lord and Miller are just the fucking kings at taking horrible ideas that should never be tried at all and then making great movies out of them. Somehow. You're absolutely right. All yeah. of the movies that they have made should suck. They really should. They have not made a movie that on paper sounds good. And I think that's what's brilliant about him. Uh, but yeah, uh, now we're on to Paul's six. And number six is uh, yet another movie from this director. Um, and my number six is The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. 
so this is Ramora Hosoda's follow-up to Digimon the movie. <laughs> very unexpected turn from him um, into being an auteur, an animated auteur. Um, but this is about a girl who's, again, um, this is uh, obviously the last time that it's about a teenage Japanese girl who goes through some weird experience with time on my list. That's definitely not a recurring theme at all. Um, but it's about a girl who has a strange encounter um, and suddenly she has the ability to reset time. Um, and it's really about the ways that she chooses to use it and not use it and what that says about her and her relationship to people. Um, there is a really great friendship she has with these two guys where they go and play baseball together after school. Um, and you see her trying to make her life better and, you know, simple and, you know, the ways a high schooler would um, until she comes to realize that, you know, maybe it's about more than that. Maybe it should be about her connections with people. And there's a moment in this movie where someone makes a confession to someone and then there's like a no, 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 reverse time. And then all of a sudden there's this pursuit to get back to that point. Um, and that's what's really sad. And, and that's the part that really moves me the most. I saw this movie in theaters and like the first time I saw it and I was like an absolute mess, honestly, at the end of the movie. I've, I've become really emotional. That scene they have out in the street near the end, I think is incredible. Um, but again, like the relationships of the core characters are the, the thing that makes this movie so beautiful. And it has a very distinct art style that's not particularly like striking necessarily but i think it gives a lot of personality to the characters and to the world um but i'd say again the characterization of these people especially um especially makoto who's the main girl um is just really well well made and I, like this is a movie that has connected with me personally um i think part of it's just who she is as a person and also to some of the, the activities that they go through and um this movie is deals so much with like regret um and like the times you don't appreciate until you realize they're gone with friends um, and that stuff really hits, I think, really hard. Um, um, you know, I think I just think it's it's incredibly touching and beautiful movie that has always really resonated with me personally. Um, yeah, the girl who left through time, it's it, it makes me cry. I, I love it. Yeah, uh, I watched this one today uh, when I got home from work. I, I put it on, and maybe that might have been why I didn't quite love it. I liked it. I think it is a well-made film. I, I like time loop films in general because they're always going to work for me. Uh, but I, I guess I wanted this one to work a little bit more. But I do think it was really well done. Uh, you know, I, I do like that. Is if I had time travel, that is a lot of the ways I would yeah. use time travel is to just cover up for those situations where I have social regret because I. <laughs> A lot of times. That's, that's why it's that's real. That is the way I would use it. Uh, about times, the most realistic use of time travel in a movie um, of how someone would actually use it. Uh, but I, this movie is good. I think Casada is just a filmmaker that, for some reason or another, either it's just all of his films are films that require multiple watches. And I'm going to give all three of the movies that were on Paul's list another watch through because i think there are movies that i wanted to like i appreciated more than i like them and usually when that's the case it's a movie i just need to give another watch to really he's got a new movie coming out soon that movie's gonna fucking rule so that's fair uh but uh overall i i liked it i i would definitely recommend people check it out it just wasn't when i fell in love with uh has anyone else i don't think anyone else has seen this i have not seen this one now Okay. Uh, so, Chance, you're six. Uh, my number six. Getting, getting a little brownie points from the Jets before I absolutely destroy my goodwill. Uh, Find a Nemo. That's textbook pandering. 
we, even if it was pandering, we gotta let him have it. The man is dying on the here. Yeah, he is pandering. Like I, I, I am firm. I am firmly on the cross. You gotta give me something. Um, <laughs> hey, Albert, you don't even have to talk about the movie. Just say the word Albert, Albert Brooks ten times. Albert Brooks, Albert Brooks, Albert Brooks. A Jewish man will appear in your apartment and question you about the nature of life and love. Ah, Larry David, what are you doing here? Uh, but, yeah, no, I think with this... I like shrimp! Like, <laughs> yeah, just, just, just a matter of fact about me. Just like, when I was younger, I did have like a fascination with marine biology. I don't, know, I don't know what it is. I just had an obsession with it. And so I found I did because I was making a movie about... It took place like under, under the sea. I'm just like, okay, yeah, okay, let's do this. And... Uh, yeah, I think that with this, and I, I mean, I'm not the plot of it. It's just, a, just a father trying to find his son. But I think that it is a great job exploring the father-son relationship. Where, like, yeah, I mean, anyone who's a father will immediately like some of that, like, you know, feel this because, yeah, Marlon is a character who he lost everything he could possibly lose except for his son. So obviously, he's very protective of him. And you know, it just speaks to like what every father's thing. Where it's like, if I lost my son, I would do literally anything to get him back. I think that uh, our Brooks in this film brings a warmth and just a subtle, uh, not, not subtle, but a warmth and a heart that I haven't quite seen in performance from him prior to this. Or, well, not, I mean, aside, aside from this, there's very, very few where he, he's not very known for being emotionally feeling person. I'm not I'm joking, but I'm joking. But, he also hasn't know. seen all the Albert Brooks movies. I haven't seen all his movies. That's yeah, fair. That's, that's, that's fair. You get yeah. a pass. Yeah, you so but I think that I, I, I will watch more. I will watch more just for you, though. Um, but yeah, I think that he's excellent in the lead role as Marlon. Uh, Dory is a character who I think could easily be incredibly annoying. And maybe she is some people, uh, but I, I never, I never find her annoying personally. Uh, I think that I like the aspect of like the characters they interact with on the way there. Like, I think the stuff with the sharks, the tank gang, I think, I think gets a lot of laughs. Uh, the cast is incredibly stacked with a lot of actors in just roles that are, can be incredibly throwaway if you're really honest, but the fact that they've got them to come in and just like have, like have fun with what they're given, I, th- I think is speaks to the prestige Pixar has. Um, I think the animation is gorgeous, especially for the time. Like what water thing is incredibly hard to animate. Just just watch Bugs Life. You want proof of what I mean? Um, it's not an easy anime. This is a movie that takes place that uh, is central. Having wa- just it, water is central to the plot. The fact that they can do that and just bring like these o- these ocean environments, just, it feels so less, it feels so real, it feels so tangible. I think that's incredible. Like I, I can, I can honestly just like watch it as a screensaver for hours and just be, and be satisfied. Um, but yeah, I think it has the emotional crux, it has everything you would want from a great Pixar movie. And yeah, I think this is definitely one of Pixar's best. Uh, I had it. Did someone else have it? I forgot. Yeah, Nazar, did you have it or no? Okay, so okay. Mark, you had a, you had a little higher than me. You had a little higher. Than me. Okay, then I'll go. Uh, uh, yeah, like I'll be honest, like like Finding Nemo is a movie that I like. I don't want to say hated, but it's like a movie that I kind of just shied away from for a while, mainly just because like when I was a kid, like everybody fucking loved this movie, and it just it was a movie that you know. Uh, like when I was at a friend's house or like when we had a movie day at school, like the movie everybody fucking picked was let's watch Finding Nemo. And like, it just, it got killed for me. And then I saw it again. Wait, you you I, grew up in Texas, right? People are just want water, man. They're just, they're, they're, they're wanting some water. Look, 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 it, is, it, is, it is very hot and dry in Texas. Okay? We need something. Fair point. But I mean, 
at some point, enough is enough. Okay, like it's, it's too much. God damn it! <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, it. I, I was all like, I revisit after just years of giving it a good reprieve, and you know, yeah, it, it it's fucking great. Like, I mean, the the like uh, the, the like, listen, I am a sucker, as we will find out in my next pick for a father son story, and this one is just you know, it hits really fucking hard, and I, I think yeah. Like in like a kind of emotional moments that didn't hit hard for me before, I think just really hit hard for me. Like a um, like like kind of like the last scene where you know he finally kind of trusts Nemo and he gets all those fish to kind of go down. Like that that scene kind of gets me every time now. And like it, it and also also that the, the a very underrated scene is when kind of Nemo like hears about like kind of all the shit that his dad is doing and how his dad becomes like this weird like urban legend in the sea of like trying to get. Get, like, get his kid like that that's fucking great and it, it's one that like i i really liked first time i saw it kind of you know got tired of and then kind of coming back around to really liking it like really weird journey to find nemo but yeah it, it's, it's still one definitely one of pixar's tops yeah this is one of those movies this might sound weird but this is one of those movies that i feel like i'd be so fascinated to watch if i ever become a father because i just think it would hit different um that's fair, actually but i think again I, I love that willem dafoe like stepped right off the set of Platoon, it sounds like, to record his dialogue for this movie. He's like, fucking Gale is like a fucking veteran in the war. And I think, like, the way he plays it so straight, the way he plays it so straight, I think, is incredible. I love the stuff of the Tank Gang. This is one of those movies where the kind of silly humor, for some reason, still works. I don't know if it's timing, if it's sequencing, if it's just the earnest way it's delivered. But a lot of animated movies, sometimes the humor will wear on me is all over multiple watches. But for some reason, this one, I just laugh. Um, and Dory is a character on paper that I should hate. Like, I find Ellen so annoying in general. So, like, the fact that I like her in this, it's kind of wild. Um, but, yeah, all all the, this is one, it's one of the things where all these, all these different storylines, but they're all good. And it's like when it cuts from one to the other, you're not, like, bummed out that you're not with the last one. You're like, oh, great. We get to go back with these characters. And I think, like, when you make each part of the movie so interesting and so fun, that's what it can do. And, again, yeah, it has that great emotional heart, the father-son relationship. Um I love the stuff with the turtles is amazing too. I think Crush is is, is oh, the dude. Um, but yeah, it's just a wonderful, delightful movie. That um, I, honestly, I just I put it lower than I, it probably would be just because I knew other people would have it. <laughs> so I was like, well, we get to talk about it no matter what anyway. So I'll uh, get some other stuff in. It. But it's it's an incredible movie. Yeah. I didn't have it in my list uh, because. Pixar is a great studio, and they have oh, a bunch of have it? No, we're no. weirdly not the only fucker that actually has a kid. <laughs> have this on his list. No, okay, I'll say something on it first. Uh, Finding Nemo, yeah, is I actually had a kind of similar thing to Mark, not in the sense of like I I was overwhelmed by like the hype because I was part of the hype. I was like three when the movie came out, three or four. Uh, so like I grew up watching this movie all the time. But then, like, as I got into, like, middle school, high school years, like, I was I was more in, like, Ratatouille, Incredibles. Those are, like, the great Pixar movies eh, on Finding Nemo. And I, I gave this movie a, a good rewatch, uh, like, a year ago. And I just fell in love with it again. I think you can credit it to Albert Brooks, but... I don't think that's the reason why this movie. I, obviously, Albert Brooks is doing a good thing, a really good job in this movie. But to me, like this movie is just they they use him like a musical instrument. He is that perfect voice for that character, and that character of Marlin is such 
a well done character because if he's if he's too mean or if he's even a little bit more nervous or cowardly, we don't connect with him and we kind of hate him and he becomes like a buck cluck in Chicken Little, like just only <laughs> wow. Of course, like, that's the reference. Yeah, that's where you go. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, or if he's a little, if he's a little less nervous, the weight doesn't feel as much. You feel how much he's stepping out. He's of like, you feel like he's sweating underwater somehow. That's what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, like, like, he's, he's just I mean, Albert, enough. Albert Brooks just always feels like he's sweating. Broadcast news. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Well, he's literally sweating. Yeah, <laughs> he's literally sweating. He's dry, sweating. He, he is dry and dry. Uh, he, is, he is drenched in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> we'll love to do a Paradise video. He is more drenched in broadcast oh, news than he's in finding you know. Okay, that's, I was like, where is this going? I was worried a little bit. <laughs> no, no. I'm going to get gross. Anyway. <laughs> no, uh, but Finding Nemo, uh, I, I also love the tank gang. Like, the the whole tanking is just these really interesting unique characters and use the exact right amount of time. I think that's why the tanking works is because they never overdo it, right? Yeah. They keep them funny, but they never let them hog the spotlight at any point. Peach, uh, I, I love the whole thing with how they just are so methodical about the yeah. movie's great. Uh, Nazario, you kind of spoke a little bit on why you didn't have it. Do you want to add any more? Or are you yeah. No, just basically that. I yeah. have have five movies from Pixar in the list. That, that was nice. And yeah. it, finding I hate Finding Dory. I hate that Finding Dory exists because Andrew Stanton was like, I was like, this is the fucking he, guy. He was he was too. I was too. like, that's the guy. And then he was yeah. doing so well. <laughs> we're supposed to. I, I, I don't. I don't even. Dis- we were on the verge dislike, of greatness. I don't even dislike Finding Dory, but it was like, ah, oh, dude. All right, it's now fucking, it's fucking it's man. It's when the octopus drives the car, they lose. Yeah, it. yeah. Mark, Mark sticks. <laughs> yeah, let, let remember, Nazario has a hard out right. like ours, so let's keep it moving. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. All right, now this is where, like, I think uh, it's going to be weird. I6 is a goofy movie. Oh, I wanted to be a year this. Shit. Okay, okay. cool. <laughs> I was wondering what the father's going to do. Yeah, I mean, listen, like I said, sucker for a fucking dad-son story, and this one... Like it, it's a movie. It's a movie that I I killed as a kid. Like I, I like I could not give you an accurate number of how many times I saw this as a young child. It could be in the hundreds. I I don't know. Um, I I think what kind of shocks me is whenever I I bought the DVD because you know it's the only way it's available. You know, and I rewatched it and like holy shit, like the father and son story just really it hits really fucking hard because it's just, it is just goofy desperately trying to find a way to connect with his son just in any way. And I think what it, what's kind of cool. There is a lot of give and take there. There is plenty of moments where goofy is kind of treating max like too much, like a, like a little kid and he, and he's not kind of treating him kind of more of kind of the like older, like kind of young adult that he is. And but at the same time, Max is kind of being like a like a little dick. Like he's he's kind of not uh, giving giving his dad like kind of the time of day, and he should. And it, it, it I think it, it translated in some like really kind of uh, heart like heartwarming moments, like the when they're out there like on the river going to the waterfall. Like a lot of those scenes give me every time now. Like it just 
it it's one that I, I don't think gets nearly enough credit that it deserves, just kind of how how well it treats like that angle. And, and yeah, like um, I, I, as a whole, I think it's just one, one of the most underappreciated animated movies ever made, and it is it's easily the best like kind of Disneyish movie that came out that year. It's not even close. Uh, okay, I guess you're not including Pixar, sure. Oh yeah, I think okay. he is. I, I think I think he might. Be. I think he is. I'm pretty sure he is. <laughs> anyway, uh, just make sure no one else had this, right? Nope. Is this way too high? Yes. <laughs> this is especially considering like what you have above it. That is rough. At the same time, I can't be that mad about a goofy movie. Because this movie will always have like a very sentimental place in my heart. I I really like this movie because uh, I I really like the father son connection. Because typically a lot of these father son connection movies, it's like Finding Nemo is another example. But typically a lot of them, it's more the the father's more. It, it's more like a hiccup and stoic relationship than a Marlin and Nemo relationship. I find typically in movies. And this one falls more in that Marlin and Nemo camp, where the dad really is just trying very hard to connect to the son, but the son also kind of wants to be his own thing. And I, I just really like that dynamic. I really like the music in this movie. Uh, everything, like on the open rows, like the classic show tune, like I love the, the big opening number with After Today. The Powerline songs are both excellent and i have them consistently on my playlist because they slap uh but i I think the movie is just really charming it's a charming little movie it's not this grand giant thing that it's not trying to be it's just trying to be this small little road trip movie and i like that so i'm not gonna dock you for it but you're not gonna get bonuses for it that's what you this is this is a Flat line on your back. Um, so everyone else on a good This kind of story of Mark's list, I feel like it's like, oh, it's kind of weird that it's that high, but like, you know, I love that for you. Um, this is gonna sound like an insult. I promise it's not. I made a master list of animated movies. This came in at one hundred and four. That is not because I don't like it. That is because there are one hundred and three animated movies I like more than this. Um, I think it's a very charming movie. Good music, um, and I think it's got great thematic stuff. It just doesn't hit the heights, I think, of some of these other animated movies for me. Almost, almost mentality is a great argument for, for Boatman, but not for me. But that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> um, because Mark's mentality is good. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I have a, look. See the difference. Let's here? Not, let's, yeah, let's, let's just let's keep it moving. What keep I'm saying is, this movie uh, is fine. We'll say Ida. Ida is one of the biggest bangers they've ever produced. Great movie. Uh, so uh, now we're on uh, the Tyrus. Uh, my number six is uh, one of two Studio Ghibli movies that always swap around between being my favorites. Uh, depends on the mood, depends on the day. But today, my number six is Princess Mononoke. It is the first one I actually watched as a teenager uh, when I was trying to get you know into that kind of anime movies. And it was presented actually at the university where my wife studied, like in a, in a film class. 
and it was an experience. The the first time I watched it, I watched it in its original Japanese with subtitles, and it was like a literal translation. So it, the subtitles were really really dense, but I think it made the whole experience richer. I love the story of Prince Ashitaka, who is just has this wooden woodland kingdom, and just one day gets attacked by a demonic boar. And he accidentally becomes infected by whatever is ailing the boar. And he decides that he needs to take an adventure uh, to see with eyes unclouded by hate. And he finds that it's man, the race of man, who is infecting the forest with this hate because of all the industry that was developing at the moment. Uh, the fun part, though, that I didn't expect is that, that it is man who is doing this. But it actually were women because Lady Iboshi uh, had her own kingdom where she was manufacturing weapons. But she believed that women were stronger, where women were more empowered than men. So she made her whole workforce of these women that were rejected by men from other things and, and made them great, made them very valuable to her. And the movie just moves into the becoming a fable between nature versus industry and it's always engaging and it's always beautiful princess mononoke mononoke haim is actually a girl that was raised by the god the goddess of the wolves in the forest so she fights for that side uh and it's like at, at diff they have a different point of a definite point of view where nature should be always uh, priority but at very different points in the movie they made actually equally valuable uh, points about you know women their men need to develop but we are a race that develops industry too and uh the the final scene where they awaken the spirit of the forest it's just beautifully drawn animation by hayami Yazaki. it's just it's so gorgeous that when it happens what you i did not expect to happen is just heartbreaking uh this is definitely one that is worth your time and like i said it this is easily my favorite uh, Ghibli movie. Some days. <laughs> uh, so I, I had this at twelve. Um, yeah, I mean, this movie opens with like a giant spaghetti boar monster like dissolving into bones, which is like one of the most metal-sounding things ever. And then, you know, I mean, this is Miyazaki's themes like pushed to the forefront, right? All the stuff about nature and, and progress and humanity and our struggles. Um, but I think it's so interesting again, like. Nazario kind of mentioned this, but Lady Eboshi's, her workforce is like women that were prostitutes that she got from brothels and then lepers who make these guns. And in a lot of other movies, there would be some triumphant moment where like the leper saves the day or there's some kind of cure for them, but they just exist. And that's the whole thing about these movies is the world in these movies exists. It feels like they exist outside the scheme of the movie. It's not like the movie happens and then everything ends. It's like there was a before, there will be an after. This is just part of the story. And I love that about this. I love how all these different characters are not two-dimensional. They're not simple. Lady Eboshi is not just like mustache twirling villain. Like she is like a person who like has, you know, motivations and, and she has flaws, but she's also working for, you know, to, to work for certain types of people in, in ways that are positive. And um, I think it's a gorgeous and incredible movie. The action, the action's great. Like it's again, like he shoots people's fucking arms off and that's like super graphic and violent. Um, but it also has this beautiful, beautifully majestic scenery as well. Um, it it kind of runs the gamut of the different things that Miyazaki is good at, I think. Um, and it's just a great, delightful movie. Um, that's And it's like one of the, 
his most actiony movies, but I think also like has that nature aspect that makes the two come together. Did anyone else have Mononoke? Uh, yeah, Mononoke is just an epic film, like, which I don't know if there are a lot of, like, animated epics, but this is certainly one of them. I'm usually not big on these kind of epic fantasy stories. They're not my cup of tea, and that's why, like, personal preference, I don't love, 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 love Princess Mononoke, but I can't deny the beauty of the animation, the, the different themes that are going on. Lydia, she is, I think, easily my favorite. Everything going on with Iron Town is, like, my favorite thing. I think that all just really works. Um, and I, I just think there are points where the movie gets a little too bloated for my taste. But that just might be personal preference at the end of the day. Uh, this movie just super well done, and I can't deny that. It's an excellent film. Very well made. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, chance. Yeah, I think that this film, what I think is particular the fact that what I like about a lot of Miyazaki movies is that the fact that there's no real villain, just people with conflicting viewpoints that kind of have a disagreement, which I think is fascinating. Um, yeah, this is one I could have could have been on my list. I think for me, what drags down a lot is surprisingly, I don't not very I'm not very interested in San. I find that character a little grating at points, and maybe that's just the dub because I haven't seen the sub version of this film. Yes, I am. I'm in a cultured swine. Uh, but yeah, this is one I definitely, I definitely like a lot. Uh, yeah, honestly, I'm not super high on this movie. Uh, I, I just think it's kind of okay. Um, it's one I honestly really, really like. I really want to like. I've given it several shots. Like, it's just one that just, like, I, you know, I get the themes. It's just it. It's just not one that hits me. I, I, I thought it would more over time. Maybe it will over time, but just. This particular point now, like it for me, it's just very middle to like almost back end, like Ghibli. Oh, look at that! We lost the host, <laughs> and he's back. <laughs> um, all right, so to my number five, uh, we already had one movie where Janine Garofalo plays a bossy girl who bosses people around. Uh, my wow. number five is Kiki's Delivery Service. For that. Um, so yeah, this is again like this is a, a Miyazaki movie that I think is a like more in like the obviously like the more fantasy and imaginative realm. Um, but I think the way that it translates this character's inner conflict is really interesting. And I love that Miyazaki doesn't create some outside force for Kiki to fight against or to battle. It's just her overcoming her own, you know, insecurity um, and her own fears and her own anxieties. And I think like the way that Kiki as a character then um, is positioned in this world where she's a new, she's the new witch in town. Um, I, I just love that stuff. I love her relationship with Ursula. I love Tombo and how he's just kind of a nice boy who just wants to be friends. He's not like overly sympathetic. Like the one time where she's she's out sick, he just asks her if she's sick and she's like, yeah, I was sick. And he's like, oh, that's a bummer. Um, and it doesn't try to be anything too grandiose, but I think like it does have this moment again where Kiki becomes the, the person that she wants to be. Um, but it's, it's not like she's gonna be perfect going forward. There will be, you know, hurdles for her to overcome throughout her life, but I love that it presents that in such an honest way and does not try to cheap out on it. And there's the, there's the moment where they invite her to hang out with the, with a group of people. And she's like, no, I just think that will bum me out. And then the movie just lets her make choices like that. Um, that I think are really honest and true. And I just love the character of Kiki, um, her connection with Gigi, of course, that's very different in the sub and dub. That's like a totally different character, basically Gigi. Um, but I, I like both versions of that. Um, and I, I just think that again, it's such a lovely movie that just makes me feel comforted 
and makes me feel like, um, you know, I'm able, they're able to find your place in the world. And I think that's that's a beautiful thing. Kiki's delivery service. Uh, did anyone else have Kiki? Okay. Uh, Kiki's delivery service is probably my second favorite Ghibli movie. Uh, Spirited Away being my favorite. Uh, actually, no, Kiki is my third. Uh, and we'll talk about my second one later. But uh, Kiki's delivery service is like there are some Ghibli movies that people describe as like just kind of these chill, low stakes movies that they really love. And a lot of times those types of movies don't necessarily work for me because they're not super like dialogue driven and my type of like chill, no stakes movie. Uh, but this one works for me so much. This is because there are stakes involved, they're just very, very small. Right, like someone being disappointed with a pie is like a major blow in this movie. Like, legitimately, you. Well, it's because she she works so hard, right, to yeah, try to get the pie, and it's in, yeah. in the moment you feel it. I'm describing it, and it sounds silly, but in the moment, like it gets you mad uh, because we see how much work gets put into it. Uh, but the, the movie is really sweet uh i haven't seen the the original version i've only seen the dub uh so i've only seen the phil hartman gg but i love phil hartman phil hartman is just one of my favorite people uh and gg is i i think just a great animated sidekick really brings just so much humor to the movie but i i think the, the movie itself is very much, it's about this character that is pressuring themselves to be the very best when right now they need to be okay with being really good. And I think it's kind of that dynamic. But also then they kind of come into, like basically it's about not trying to extend yourself to be more past what you are. And I really like that idea. And the, the movie's just super sweet. Everyone else. This is one I haven't gotten to yet. Okay, that's fair. You get a pass this time. Uh, that, this that, time. That, that, I, that sounded weird. I meant like... Uh, no, I get it. No, I got you. I got you. Unlike your Lilo and Stitch and The Incredibles, this is one... Yeah, no, 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 no. In which case, I, in which case, I get no pass. I, get pass. <laughs> I have the movie. Uh, what, what's up, the movie's movie? cute. Uh, I, I liked it a lot uh, when I was a kid. I think that Ghibli and Miyazaki have done things that are more memorable. And if we're thinking just simply small stories, I have one coming up. Oh, yeah. Um, I just, I do like Kiki's Delivery Service. I just, I mean, I think you kind of hit it in the head. That's just very low stakes. I, I, I think it's a nice movie, but it's not one that I think particularly sticks, me, sticks with me. I just, I mean, but come on, like, let's be honest. Like, I mean, maybe that little girl was right. What, what, what's this? What, what's her grandma doing making a pitch pie? Come on. She put a lot of work into it, Mark. <laughs> my thing, my thing about that scene is, I don't I actually don't hate the girl for not wanting it. It just is a bummer that it happens to be after yeah. Kiki goes for the. It, it's, it's like when it, it's like in Babe when the farmer hugging like when someone in the dollhouse and then the girl hates it. It is the kind of hates it. <laughs> Make an apple pie. That's all I'm saying. Everybody likes apple. Anyway, uh, <laughs> everybody likes parfait. Uh, so uh, that is, we're on the tenth spot. Yeah. I wonder if I was Wally. Oh, yikes. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. 
right. Mark? Okay, like, you know what? That, that, uh, Joking May Bowman actually works really well. My number five is Shrek. What? God damn. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, talking about movies that just really lived up for me as a kid. This is, this, this is one of them. This is kind of one of those, like, first movies I remember kind of watching in the theaters as a, as a young kid and just, and just fucking loving it. I think, honestly, I, I, I would not, like, uh, I would not be, I, I couldn't, I'd be lying to you if I said there were probably certain points in my life where, like, Shrek was honestly, like, my favorite movie of all time. Uh, th- this movie's really hits hard for me. Like, because I think we talked, we talked about Shrek 2, how the comedy really, I feel like the comedy in Shrek, in the first Shrek, I think it's a lot harder. I think mainly just because like it's, it, it it's comedy that I feel like is both funny, but this it, like and it's kind of, and it's meant for kids, but it's also like it's also like comedy that I don't really feel like is like super like talking down to kids. It's like one where like okay like you know we're, we we like we know that you you get this and it's like kind of and you know there's like some weird innuendos to us and we're not just kind of kind of go around like you just kind of understand this and i think that kind of got me like as 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 a young kid just kind of like okay like it it's one that like feels like it's it knows like i'm young but at the same time it also doesn't think i'm an idiot you know and i i honestly do i love the um the love story in in this movie i i think it's fantastic i think it's also really neat how it it really shows it 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 kind of like shows like the reality of a love story of like two people kind of learning to love the ugly sides of each other and like kind of and being able to like look past that and just kind of seeing like the inner person like i mean it's like say what you will like it's an amazing decision that you know, okay fiona like is her like the ogre version herself at the end and like that that's the the couple that we that we see at the end like it's great and yeah, like it, it, it's one that just hits hard for me. And like I saw it just a couple months ago when it had that 20th anniversary. It still hits fucking hard. The first Shrek is awesome. It's the superior Shrek. All right. Uh, did anyone else have Shrek? I don't think so. Yeah. Shrek, I think, is a good animated movie. I think that it has two problems. One, I think the film feels stilted. I think there are times where a lot of the flow just feels a little choppy it it bogs the movie down with i like this song and it's always going to be associated with shrek but honestly i don't need the 10 minute or not 10 minutes but the moping and doping montage it feels like 10 minutes it feels like because we know where it's going at that point it's the romantic comedy trope of oh the misunderstanding and now he's got to go back and you know we, we know what's going on at that point you don't need to drag it out I get it. Um, the other thing that I have a problem with is that a lot of the humor in this movie I feel is very angry. Like this movie is very much a giant middle finger to the Disney Corporation, which I don't have a problem with, but I just think it makes for a lot of the jokes they feel more they they almost don't even feel like jokes. It feels like Jeffrey Kastenberg just angrily making snarky comments basically and i just think that's why some of that humor doesn't work i just think so much of what does work in shrek is done better in shrek 2. 
Uh, but I think Shrek is a good movie. There are some really funny jokes. I think the dynamic between Shrek and Donkey is great. And I love the, the dating game with the mirror. I think that whole scene is just one of the funniest moments in an animated movie. That's great. Uh, also, everything with Duloc is very funny. Uh, but overall, five is a little high. But I can't deny it's a good movie. Uh, so everyone else, I honestly am just kind of tired of like the Shrek is like the biggest thing in the world thing. Like I get it. I think it's a good movie. I watched it a lot as a kid and I really liked it. I think what Bowman said, it's true. Honestly, about all the Shrek movies, it, it just feels mean spirited in a weird way that I don't think it's super fun really to come back to for me. Um, and it's one of those movies where it's like, Haha, we're making fun of other movies, but then like it's doing the same things that those movies do. And I'm like, uh, I mean, have you seen yourself lately? Um, so yeah, it's not bad. It's just like, I don't know. It's a bit like it's try hard in, in like an edgy way for me. And I think like it also looks like mud. This movie looks awful. And I know that's like, you know, 20 years later, some, a lot of movies are going to look like that. But I just think it, it like it's not nice to look at at all. Yeah, I, th I think I had this on a few weeks, few weeks back or a few episodes back. Everything I, I do like the first trip, but everything good the first movie does, the second movie does better. So yeah, the, the, it's funnier. The animation is better. The romance is better. It's more interesting. The, the Sorry. I think the the first trick was a solid good movie at the time it came out. Uh, Two thousand one probably was something that broke the norm of the animation that people were getting. So a lot of people appreciate the originality at the time, but this movie has aged very poorly. Like all the pop reference things and the fuck you Disney moments, except Duloc though. Duloc is timeless. Uh, but yeah, in general, I, I think this is a movie that it worked for 2001. It's just not as good anymore. And yes, the second one, which ironically at the first time I watched, I thought it was the lesser of the two, ended up aging way better. Okay, uh, so now we're on to uh, on the days that is not Princess Mononoke, my favorite uh, Studio Ghibli movie is My Neighbor Totoro. Uh, it's the definition of simplicity. It's two little sisters that move to the to a countryside with their father uh, just to be able to be closer to the hospital where their sick mother has to stay. And the little girls, they just run into the forest, you know, find out, investigate and play around and find that in this magical forest, there live magical creatures called Totoro, who are spirits of the woods. And there are small ones and there are gigantic ones and they are all lovable and fluffy. And honestly, that's basically what the movie is about. You experience this discovery of, of nature and magic through the eyes of these little girls who seem to be the only ones who actually can know the presence of these magical creatures not just the totoro but also the dust bunnies that that inhabit their house and the magical cat boss creature that takes them places to places and totoro doesn't order a single world he he made a single word he only makes guttural sounds but everything he does is just beautifully expressive and lovable you just want to hug that big ass thing and you know find some inner peace uh it's not even not even the 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 mother storyline goes a place you would expect because it's basically just very very 
very simple, very lovely. Just sit, watch TV for 90 minutes and, and have the time of your life. Uh, who else had my name? I, I had this, uh, I had this at 28. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, to me, the scene where the cat bus arrives is like movie magic distilled into one moment. I think like the anticipation of something mysterious that you don't understand and then just the wonder of seeing that thing happen in real time, I think it's just incredible. Um, this is like the, again, like the perfect sick day movie where it just like, it's like, again, it's like it wraps around you and it just feels like a warm hug. It feels so familiar. Um, and it nails that kind of childhood feeling of, of wonder, I think, like in a way that like the special Ghibli movies do that I think other movies can't. Um, and yeah, it's it's a perfectly simple movie. And again, each little touch of it is really well deserved and beautiful. Um, you know, it's just like, it's really nice. <laughs> and I think like more movies should be like that. They should just be nice. Uh, no, yeah, I, I agree with everything. So, oh, Marge, you had it? No. Okay. So yeah, uh, I, I agree with what you said. I think that I think that simplicity, it, it's complicated simplicity. But I think that the way it just brings you in and the way it just keeps you in this environment, keeps you like feeling invested by the fact that like not really a lot's going on. Like it's it's not, it's not something that's easy to do, especially in animation where it's medium and seems for kids. Um, but yeah, I think that the bond between the two daughters, the two uh, daughters, is great. I think they have a great chemistry. I think that they really serve as a great eyes for you in this magical world. And yeah, like the world itself, I think it's it's lush, it's tangible. I think that the my own like spirit away, you're constantly just enthralled with every new thing you're seeing into the in this environment. And yeah, like the 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 the, the, the giant the Totoro, people call Totoro. I think that he had become an icon at this point for, for Ghibli. People think Ghibli, they think of this character because, like, yeah, he basically captures everything they're about. They're about the the strange and the, and the whimsical and the things you don't understand, but the things that make you feel, you know, like comfort in a way. At least for most of their projects. But yeah, I think that this film is excellent. It's definitely a top Ghibli for me. What uh, I yeah. for. Uh, I appreciate this. I think this is a well-made, well-done movie. I've just never been able to get into it, and I can't really explain why. It's just never really, like, I've never been able to love it. I think it's a good movie. I can't even, like, pinpoint things that I think are bad about it. It's just not a movie I ever, like, get super invested in. I, 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 I'm not going to dock you guys for it because I think it's just a new thing, uh, but... It's, it's not a movie I have ever loved. Uh, you gotta buy a giant Totoro plush and hug it. Just, it. Just, just hang on to that shit while you're watching. That's fair. Uh, Mark, uh, you're the only other person who didn't have it. Uh, yeah, I, I'll be honest. I, I, I think this movie's kind of overrated. I, I, I mean, part. I think part of it is the hype. I, I expected to like it a lot, and I just. I, don't know. I I just did it, man. Like I, like I, I mean, Paul, you you talked about kind of how it's uh, like there are parts of it that just show kind of perfect moments of childhood imagination. I think Miyazaki does that much better in a bunch of different movies. Like I just like I, I get it. You know, it, it, it's comfort. Food, it's com It's a comfort food movie for a lot of people. I just I yeah. I I just don't gravitate to it too much. I just. I think there's a uh, thing that we'll talk about later with you and Boatman where I think like there's a type of movie that I think doesn't seem to speak to you guys as much. That I think it's interesting. Uh, anyway, okay. on to my four. Um, 
my number four uh, is another Miyazaki movie. Uh, maybe his masterpiece. Maybe I don't know. My number four is The Wind Rises. Um, so I think this is like, I mean, obviously he's making another movie, so it's not. But this would have been like the swan song of all swan songs. This is like Miyazaki essentially looking at himself in the mirror and wondering, was I a bad father? Um, among many, many other things. Obviously, he has this lifelong fascination with flight. And I think channeling that through this character of Jiro, who, you know, becomes this engineer. And the thing that he loves the most both takes him away from his family and also has the potential to put other people in, in, in harm's way. And I think, like, the struggle that this movie shows with that, I think, is gorgeous. I think the dream sequences where he's speaking um, to the Italian engineer, um, that stuff is just is just breathtaking. And I think, like, you know, this is one of the... This is, like, his only non-fantasy movie really... Um, since Cagliostro, it doesn't have magic in it, um, but it does have magic in it in a way, not to be corny, but I think like it is um, a beautiful story of not just a, of a single man, but of an idea that um, the things you care the most about in your, your creative passions can conflict with your everyday life. Um, and the scene where his wife is painting on, the, on that hillside is just beautiful. Um, if you watch the dub, the Werner Herzog character, the one he voices, I think is a delightful little interstitial that they meet at that hotel that they speak at. And this movie is just full of, you know, it's it's kind of a deep philosophical, it's got a lot of regret and pain, but it also has a lot of wonder about like the idea of flying and what flying can mean, both good and bad. And I think it it runs a wide range of emotions in a way that I think sometimes Miyazaki movies are like, it's about this feeling or about this feeling. And I think that this encompasses all of it in a way that I find super satisfying. Um, one of my friends once described this as like the boring one when we were talking about Miyazaki and I was like, I got so upset. Um, I was like, that's insane. Um, and you know, some of the, some of the conflict I think is created. It's not, this is about a real man, but not all this stuff actually happened. But I think like where it comes in the story, I think is so beautifully realized. And this character is incredible. And again, like it is like Miyazaki making a movie kind of about himself. Um, in a way that I just find like amazing. And if you watch the sub, which I would recommend, the person who voices the main character is like Hideaki Anna who created Evangelion and like is not usually an actor, but it gives one of the greatest voice performances I think of any animated movie ever. Um, it's fucking incredible. The amount of stuff that he emotes with like few words um, runs me over like a train. Um, and I think this movie is, it's an absolute masterpiece. I know for a lot of people, this is not one of their favorites, but I fucking love this movie. Uh, on first watch, well, I wouldn't say it's a favorite Ghibli of mine right now. I did really enjoy it. Uh, I, I think this movie, I would not understand anyone being upset that this movie like embellishes because I think this movie makes it clear that like it's trying to be a biopic, but it's also trying to very much like be a unique biopic. Uh, besides the fact that it's animated, like there's literally a dream sequence, but I don't want to call it a dream sequence in which he communicates with an Italian aeronautics engineer in his dream. And it's, it's just, a, I, I really like that sequence. Uh, but it's a really well done movie. I, I would never call it like an all time Ghibli for me, but I think it's a really good one. And I, I totally get why Miyazaki made it at that point in his life. And it's just a really neat film. And that's what I really like about it. It's unique in the fact that it never goes super crazy. But it still has those little moments of magic and, you know. The, the paper airplane, like, at the hotel. That stuff is amazing, yeah. like, that little. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, great film. Uh, everyone else? Uh, this one I haven't seen. I've been saving it for the end of my watch. That's I a good idea. It's a good, it's yeah. a good idea. It is a great thing. I'm surprised to do. 
Uh, Mark? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I actually do really like this movie. Like, it, it was it was honestly kind of close to making the list. Um, I just think it's really it's really awesome that Miyazaki made an animated biopic. Like that that's kind of, like that in itself is pretty cool. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of quick quick funny thing. Like I don't know. Paul said about him. Like Miyazaki saying he's a bad father. Maybe he was. You know, he he inspired his son to make movies, and he shouldn't have done that. That was a mistake. But, well, hey, <laughs> hey. Hey. But poor Goro, poor Goro. But yeah, I really, really like this. Awesome. I really like this movie too. Uh, but I don't know. I I think even though the animation is beautiful and everything looks very realistic, I kind of gravitate a little more toward the fantastical things, which is why the other I movies totally are that. the ones that I have in the my list. But I would take nothing away from this movie. I think it's a basically a perfect biopic animated movie. Uh, of a story that I didn't know I wanted to know, but I really, really enjoy having known it now. All right. Uh, so we're on to Chances 4. Yeah, but number four is the action for the episodes ago. It's the many adventures away of the boo. Oh, shit. Fuck, yes. <laughs> Where's Zach? <laughs> Where is Zach again? Uh, so, yeah, I think that this film, well, for me at least, like, with who is a character that I've also had a, lot, like, a real fondness for, I know I'm not alone sharing that. I think there's a lot of well, the fascination with him becomes the fact that that there's not really any character like him. Like he's there's a there's a certain naivism to it that you don't really quite get, but he is very pleasant and there is a lot to him. Now there was an entire book written about how he relates to the principle of Taoism, and this movie is basically just uh, him and his pals in Hunter Acre Wood just in their day to days for maybe like a year. I don't know. They never never explain how it is, but. I think that uh, there's a lot I like about this movie. First of all, I I think there's a lot of atmosphere, which yeah, that's something I go I go nuts for. Um, it's it's small time problems, but the thing that I like about it is the fact that these characters like you, you like them so much and they're so well written and like you, you you don't care what's going on, you're just so invested in what they're doing. I think it has a good sense of humor to it. That's some, some of my favorite fourth wall jokes in any movie. Uh, like I like the way they interact with the narrator. I like the way they interact with like the actual like, book itself, like with the text and stuff. And yeah, I think that it's a surprisingly, much like the character Winnie the Pooh in general, it's a surprisingly deep movie. Like, I really love the end where it's just Chris Robin and uh, Pooh just, it just ends with them just talking. Like, no big chase, no anything, no climax. It's just them talking about the inevitability of the future. And I think that's really powerful. I think it does a great job of translating A.A. Milne's work into a visual medium to the point where uh, Pooh has become like a, cult, a cultural touchstone. I think that this film is it's very pleasant. It's got great music. It's got great laughs. I think the voice acting is all incredible. The animation holds up. Uh, of the Disney classic era, if we're going to call it that, even though this was made in the 70s, it's not really classic. This is my favorite of their body of work from that particular era. Hey, uh, who else? Sorry, if you had Mark. I had a 29. Uh, yeah, uh, I go everything Chance just said. Yeah, I. I fucking love Winnie the Pooh, man. Winnie the Pooh is just the fucking best. I mean, he like everybody needs a friend like fucking Winnie the Pooh, just a fucking ever optim optimistic dude who just kind of always looks on the bright side of things, who's never put down by fucking anything. Like he just, yeah, and and yeah, like can't chance hit on the head like thing. I, I just kind of want to point to like the ending, like. It, for a movie that is just like just trying to be like a charming fairy tale, it has like this weirdly hard hitting ending of this kid, like kind of saying like a 
like a swan song, like goodbye to his childhood saying, Hey, like, I really appreciate what you did for me, but you know, I, this is where I'm going. I may not be back for a while, but trust me, I'll never forget you. And man, that is fucking, that is fucking sad. And for a movie that, you know, just wasn't trying to be that. And like it, yeah, like I, it, it, especially in this community, I just, I do not understand like the weird hate that Winnie the Pooh gets. It, it, I don't understand. Like, don't fucking understand it at all. But, you know, you guys do. you. I, I also do not understand the weird hate that Winnie the Pooh gets. Uh, this movie is charming and wonderful and delightful. I cannot watch this movie without it. Like, this is just one of the most fun. I, I just feel happy when I watch this movie. Uh, is it perfect? No, but I don't think it's trying to be. It's not shooting for the moon. It's shooting for just a nice afternoon. Like, And that's what the characters want, and that's what the movie is. Uh, I, I really like the characters. Uh, I, I like I like Tigger. I like Rabbit. I like Eeyore. I like Pooh. But Piglet is always going to be a character that I have a special connection to. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I, I won't deny the comparison. Uh, juror number two is the juror I am most like. Uh, <laughs> but I I have always had like a special connection to Piglet, like even as a kid. Uh, and yeah, I, I just I really like this movie. It, it's it, it is a very special movie to me. So good job, Chance. Good job. <laughs> a little pat on the head. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. This is one of like four Disney movies I haven't seen. Um, it, it somewhat infamously, I remember Kirk like tore Zach a new one for having it on his best seventies list. I think it was like his number one or some shit. Um, and that was a strange episode, you know, moment in this in this series. But um, I really want to watch this though because the way that people describe it, it sounds like the thing that I would really appreciate. But I've never seen it. So. Okay, Nazaria. Uh, I love Winnie the Pooh. Uh, I love the concept. I love the books. I love the shorts. And uh, I think that's kind of what held this a little bit back for me. The one true movie that they made from Winnie the Pooh is the 2011 Winnie the Pooh. Uh, every other movie they have released, it's some form of amalgamation of shorter stories, including the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which is basically three shorts that I uh, actually I saw previously. They were released separately in a VHS in the 80s. So I kind of saw the, the, the as short stories first. And then when I realized there was a movie, I got all excited. And I and then I realized it's just the three stories with a few extra animated segments to tie the story together. This doesn't the it doesn't take from the experience. I still think it works as a movie. It just for my personal experience, I had already been given the content in a in a form, and it was just a repackage. So I just didn't, you know, felt it was a movie. But other than that, it's totally worth it. Winnie the Pooh is, is a great character. And everybody who says it's not is insane. You know, like Cody. Yeah, fuck Cody. The, the aggro Winnie the Pooh sucks thing is so weird, but we can move on. Yeah, uh, so now we are on March 4th. Uh, yeah, on to another movie that gets a weird amount of hate. My number four is Up. Oh, let's, oh, that's, yeah, that's, uh, 
Uh, yeah, uh, fucking... Yeah, like, talk, talking about, like, an era of Pixar, I just kind of, like, overlapped. Like, I, like, I always remember, like, just the day I, like, went... I, I went to uh, my mom's office and put Netflix on the computer because that, that's how you were able to watch it back in 2010. And I watched up, like, on a computer screen. And, like, it just... It fucking blew me away, man. Like, it... Like, I mean... Of course, you know, the first, you know... 10 minutes it's fucking awesome but for for whatever reason it just feels like a lot of people like close their eyes like after the first 10 minutes and like they just kind of veer off like for the other like like just emotional hard-hitting moments that like that, that this movie offers like it's just it's all this movie is is this man just desperately trying to get over like the grief of losing his wife and also the regret he feels of like not giving her like the the life that she wanted and the life that she deserved like it just kind of it is it, it is weirdly dark and just kind of and like i i love like kind of the like the places this movie goes and it's and especially like later on when he looks at the fucking photo album and he pins that badge on russell like it just it it, it tears me up every single time i, I love the the overall arc of Carl Fredrickson as a character and just kind of how he like just navigates like his sadness in some real way. Like Pete, Pete doctor in itself, like just is the fucking master at doing like just amazing character work, especially with characters just trying to deal with like sadness and like grief. And, and, and like, he, he's just great. That, and, and honestly, like a, like even though like he is a Pixar director, a, a director that I don't think gets nearly enough credit, like and since he's like by far like probably the best director to come out of Pixar, like it, I don't think he's particularly close. Um, uh, I had this at eighteen. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that people are like, yeah, you know, this movie has like some of the ten best minutes in, in any movie ever. But yada yada yada, it's like it's weird how like that's like oh well, that's just a thing that they happen to have in the movie. Like no, that stuff like. It's fucking mind blowing and incredible, and like it's a f it works on like basically everyone that watches the movie. Um, but I think again, like this movie is like so much about like when you grow up and life gets in the way and you stop pursuing the dreams that you always had and the things that you care about and trying to fight against that. And I find that idea so moving and powerful. That's why I think Carl is like a handful of my favorite Pixar, maybe my favorite Pixar character, because I think he represents a lot of those ideas in such a perfect way like how the cynicism gets to him and then he gets kind of opened back up by this relationship with russell um the one i did rewatch this and I, the one thing that does make it like keep it away keep it, like out of my top 10 is i think months like it's kind, kind of becomes a little uninteresting and repetitive at some points but i think the stuff with carl and russell and even stuff with kevin i think is really moving um and i i love the adventure like the spirit of adventure in this movie um that kind of goes along with the themes, but yeah, I mean, it's also like one of my handful of favorite musical scores for any film ever. Like the piece married life is like, I think perfect musical composition. Um, and I, it just like makes me like, like emotional when I hear it. Um, and I, yeah, I fucking love up. Um, probably my favorite Pixar movie, although it changes kind of day to day, but yeah, it's incredible. All right. Um, did anyone else have up? No. Uh, I think up is, a really good first act, a solid second act, falls apart in the third act for me. Once, like, once they get off the blimp, 
is to me when that movie falls apart. Like the first time. Interesting. That is for me when the movie like I, I think Munster's introduction is good. And then once we kind of go from there, that's when the movie stops working. Do you guys know what the original ending was supposed to be, by the way? The, the original ending of the movie apparently was that Kevin's eggs were like the key to immortality and youth, and that Munster was like chasing after that. And I just so wish that they would have stuck with that because oh, that would have been incredible but anyway sorry to do it but yeah because we're we're pressed for time here uh because but anyway uh i think that there are the, the the dynamic between russell and carl is really good i i do agree this movie gets a little too much hate but it's also like not i i wouldn't put it here i think this is a little too high praise for it but it's good it is a well-made movie, and it doesn't deserve like the the despise the, the the hate that some of it gets. Uh, so, uh, Nazario and Chance on this this movie is great in my top ten Pixar of all time. Giving a lot of towards to Pixar, so I felt I didn't need to include it. Sure, uh, Nazario. I really like Up. Uh, I do think that it's stronger in the beginning and less so in the middle, and it ends on a weaker note, but. Overall, it's a really solid movie. I just have others I like better. All right, and is there a with you? Your, uh, yeah, your four. You guys like Big Doctor? He's great, but Andrew Stanton is good too. So Wally is my number four. Yeah. What got there to say, man? This is the first movie I ever saw in HD. I bought a TV in 2008, and the first Blu-ray I got was this movie. The animation is so amazingly detailed in that first 40 minutes of the movie where Wally's just functioning in the in the doomed earth, picking up trash and doing his little collecting thing, which I guess it also talks to me as a collector because, you know, you find things you find interesting and you want to keep them and, you know, make a little shrine for them. It's great. And the way that they... The, the movie develops basically with no dialogue for a good chunk, like 25, 30 minutes... It's a, it's just a different way to, to do animation, and, and I appreciate it because you would think sometimes it might be a bored for kids like that, but it doesn't really. It always kind of flows. Uh, I love the design for Wally. It's my my favorite Pixar thing ever made. Uh, Eve is cute, great. It's basically a flying iPod, but the relationship they develop, the, the 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 relationship that they develop is 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 a thing of beauty. Uh, I do think uh, I like the fact that they use like actual live actors for like the the original humans, so you can see more clearly the degradation that they get for living so much in deep space. Uh, most people say the movie gets weaker in the second half, which is a fair a, a fair statement, but I don't think it ever gets weak enough uh, that it stops being an interesting movie, an interesting concept, and I think it wraps it up greatly in the end. Uh, other people had this right yeah yes. i had this at 19 so i think chance would be next mark what did you have did you have this at all okay so chance then me yeah i had this at five i think that this i i i, I will praise the first hour or so of the movie because yeah like the fact that they can build a character like this the fact that they can build such a compelling story to get the fact that there's little to no dialogue it's all done through like visual gags and like sounds I think I think is incredible. Some of the best work they've done. I know people like, like, will, like bag on the second half. I, mean, I don't. Under, I don't understand. I, I get it. It's not as good as the first half, but I don't think it becomes a bad film after that. I, I don't. I don't understand the concept. The 
argument that's heavy-handed. I don't think that it's subtle, but I don't think it's heavy-handed. I think it's just it's just there. I think that Wally is an, an incredible character by the fact that, like I said, he barely, he barely talks, and the score for this film was incredible. Like, Define Dancing is one of my favorite pieces of score, period. I think that's an incredible piece of music by Thomas Newman. And, yeah, the animation's fantastic. I think that's just great. And also the ending song, uh, Down There by Peter Gabriel. The fact that Peter Gabriel didn't win an Oscar and Phil Collins did, I think, is a crime against humanity and should be but should be should be answered for. Downtown fine. Uh yeah, so I mean I, I love this movie. I love that again that it's does like so much nonverbal communication that it communicates its ideas like through just characters doing stuff in action. Clearly this movie's not heavy two handed. One could argue it's not heavy handed enough with the state of the, the earth as it is today. Um they do but I think it is but I think it is Again, like it is a, I, I do love the first half more, but I think that's because the first half is so, like, that's the, the thing. It's so good that it's like, it would be so hard to maintain that for the whole movie. Like, the stuff with the fire extinguisher, I love that scene so much. Um, and I just think it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, and the connection between the two of them is like, it's weird how strong it is when they, again, they can't talk, but it's, it's, it's gorgeous. Okay, anyone else? Mark, can you, did you? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I used to be in the Wally is a great first half, a bad second half camp. I'm no longer in that camp. I am in the camp of it's a perfect first half and a solid second half. Uh, I think there, for me, the bigger issue is not that the second half is bad. It's that the second half and the first half are almost just two completely different movies. And there's a little bit of a disconnect there for me. That's kind of my main issue. Uh, but it, I think it is a consistently solid movie, but that first hour is just perfect. Uh, Mark, didn't have it. Yeah, I fucking hate this, man. I, I, I just made a goddamn argument about, like, man, like, why, why did anybody like the second half of the movie? Like, and now I'm here saying that, you know, <laughs> I like the first half. I don't really like the second half. And it kept, it kept it off the top for you. I think it's good. It just, like, that... That, that second half really does drag it down for me, and I, I, I ch- Chancey said that like I, I do think the the themes are very heavy handed in the. But second again, look, half. look where we are though. <laughs> look at our planet. <laughs> Not I, enough. I get <laughs> it. I get it. But I don't. I don't need Andrew Stanton's hand coming out of the screen and slapping me in the face a bit. Okay. Like I mean, Spike Lee already Where's does that. Michael I don't need Mark, it for more movies. Uh, Paul, what's your cycle? Goddamn it. Uh, people are even surprised that it's. This slow. Uh, my number three is your name. I'm surprised it's higher than Grab the Fireflies. Yeah. Nice. So I. So yeah. I, I mean, I've talked about this a lot, a lot of times. But I think like, I'm glad that Bowman's seen it finally. That's exciting. But I think that this movie is like again, like it captures the feeling of of dreams where like there's something and you kind of remember it, but you can't quite get a grasp on it. Um, and it becomes like your whole like, your whole focus. Like there are the scenes where Taki, like, forgets and. Like he's not in like in the state of switching bodies. Like that's all he thinks about. He's not like interested in his life. He's not engaged in his life. And I think like this consumes his entire being. And it's such a special connection that the two of these characters forge that is again so random and unexpected. Um, the soundtrack and all of Shinkai's movies are great, but like especially here, the way he uses the pop music and Radwimps, who does the score and all the songs, are fucking incredible. Like they're one of my most listened to artists of all of last year because I think all their music is is amazing, especially here. But like, I mean, the animation and the Kuchikamikaze scene where he's falling back and all of a sudden it's this impressionistic painterly kind of animation. That stuff is amazing. Um, and I think that the characters are just so well drawn. I love those moments where 
it's switching before back and forth and it goes to one character and you don't see the other character for a while and it's like what's happening and you feel that sense of loss you feel them the, their presence missing um and again like so many of the little moments of this movie just harken to this idea of like are of what things that we want, things that we care about, and how we can't always quite get a handle on what they are. Um, and every detail is perfect. Like this, this movie, I just want to watch this movie like every day. It's like incredible. Um, yeah, your name. I don't know who had it. Second highest, actually. I know Mark has it. But Everyone's had it. Everyone had it. Who Mark had it. Second highest. I had it at 16. Okay, yeah. I had it 31. Yeah, I never looked on this. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I had it at 16. I, to be honest, I, I may have had it too high. Uh, yeah, I, I got, I'll be honest, like, I had only saw this movie once and I put it on the list. I saw it again, like, a couple weeks ago, and it's just, it, it is fucking incredible. Like, it's just, in a lot of ways, it really is just a perfect love story. Um, and, like, as Paul said, like, the soundtrack and the score to it is pretty fucking awesome. I, I just downloaded a couple of those and they, they, they've been on my car a lot. Um, there it is just like it has like i think a crazy setup like I, I could tell you the setup to this movie and i feel like i give nothing away of the movie like in that that's like it, it is a weird it's a weirdly super creative movie yet it's like has just this really engaging and kind of thoughtful love story and just one that just kind of like it it, it wrecks you and then fills you with hope and inspiration at the same time like in i like in ways that like I don't I don't think very many like romance movies do like it's it, it's honestly one that could creep up as as time goes on like it maybe pop up in top ten at some point. Right, um, Zarya. Zarya. I had it at thirty one. Uh, this movie I watched because Paul made me. Uh, he told me it was great, and actually it pretty much was. I'm a sucker for time traveling space situation things, which is why I probably should watch The Girl Who Lived Through Time. But uh, getting your name, like it's it starts so it doesn't tell you where it's going. It just throws you into a middle of a situation, and you kind of have to figure it out on your own for a bit. And I really, really enjoyed how it developed and who, and what is revealed in the end. When you start to lose a bit of faith that. The situation can be rectified, and then they they kind of find a perfect solution for it. Other than the story, which it really works, the animation, man, like the animation is so beautiful. And like I said, like Miyazaki does uh, everything animated in a way that is fantastic and beautiful. But here you get to see like cell phones and TVs and like day-to-day -day stuff, and it looks so almost realistic like you could grab it like the 2d animation in this film is beautiful as it is in weathering with you but that movie is lesser than this one it's a great movie yeah, yeah. uh that's a wrong chance yeah not we're gonna add a whole lot i just, I just really want to about the animation this is generally my favorite animation in any anime movie i've seen so far i think it's i think it's really crisp i love the line work i love the speed of it like this just I think it's it's beautiful to look at. Also, it's a great, it's a great it's a great story, really well written. This is one that definitely could creep up in in the future. It's just one that I haven't seen enough of yet, but I could definitely see it like cracking my top like thirty or twenty. Uh, so my now it's time for my thoughts. <laughs> oh no. 
I'm sorry, guys, uh, but I really love this movie. I knew uh, it was coming. <laughs> I knew it was coming. No, I, I, I can't even do the fake out that well. This this movie's amazing. Uh, I don't remember the last time I watched a movie for the first time, and I just immediately wanted to watch it again. Like that was I. I rarely have that reaction because I don't actually like rewatch movies that often. But I just I wanted to experience that again. That was just an incredible film. Uh, it kind of hit me in some moments where I didn't really expect it to. Uh, but it's also like very funny. It, it, it's a film that's probably going to creep into my top 100, like on first watch. Um, it's that good. Uh, the music is awesome. I love love this music. It's kind of got... And they recorded the Japanese and the English versions. The same band did both versions. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, but it, it's got this almost like pop punky style to it that really works for me. Uh, I I love the music. Uh, but these... The way it does this kind of romance film with characters that never truly interact that often is kind of beautiful uh this is just one of my favorite endings i've seen in a while i won't spoil best, it maybe on. best use of a title yeah ever yeah yeah um it's it's an amazing film uh i highly recommend it if you're a person who is skeptical on anime or i cody knew you're, you're wrong you're wrong but anyway <laughs> you're wrong but i'm saying like this is a movie me paul Nazario, Mark, Chance, and Cody Newberry all agree on that it's great. You should probably watch it. Um, yeah, and go and download Sparkle and thank us later. Yeah, sure. Uh, that, that's not my favorite. I'm more that. of a Zen, Zen, Zen's kind of guy, but you know. I, I'm with you. That, 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 that's that's that or Dream Lantern. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, great movie. Chance. Also, when, when also when he writes the, what he writes on her hand is funny, but also sad at the same. It's like a perfect, and then the pen drop, all that stuff is great. Chance you're free. Yeah, uh, my number three is Toy Story three. Mm. Uh, that's a yikes. Okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Mark, you're three. Uh, what's my three? Okay, yeah, my three is Inside Out. Now. Uh, yeah. Uh, Listen, I mentioned my thing about Pete Doctor. I fucking love Pete Doctor. And to be honest, I go back and forth, I think, daily of what I what movie I like more between Inside Out and Up. And it it I mean, it just kinda depends what mood I am in, but I, I think just I, I lean I think kind of like over the past couple of years, I, I just I lean a little bit more towards Inside Out. Mainly because I just appreciate kind of how ballsy it is it is willing to take on just such a like like just such a hard idea of just kind of being in the mind of of a child and just trying to like how what is like how can we make kind of the emotions in a kid's head feel both it it, it fits for a kid's movie but at the same time it feels somewhat realistic and like but we can also kind of do something real with it and i think this movie like walks that line in just in, in just an amazingly perfect fashion like it, it it is it's incredibly funny the cast is 
unbelievably perfect. And, and honestly, for in like any Pixar movie, like this, like the emotional moments in this in this movie just hit fucking hard, like no others. Like the like the Bing Bong stuff is, is fucking brutal. Like just like it, any part with him, like when like when Joy is kind of is kind of figuring out figuring out that like she kind of needs sadness and and like sa- sadness like kind of like. Like can help her only way is fucking brutal. That ending scene, you know, with Riley coming home after running away is fucking brutal. It like just breaks me every single fucking time. Like I, I don't think I have watched a movie. I don't think I've watched this movie ever. Like and like my eyes don't welt up at least a little bit when fucking Joy hands the memories over to Sad. It just it fucking wrecks me every single time, and it. Just, it's one that I feel like kind of it kind of it to- like it it, it teach I feel like it, it kind of teaches kids of like ways like no you can experience multiple these multiple emotions anytime and like it, it shows them in a way it, like in, in a way that they can understand and it not be super overwhelmed by and I think like it, to me like inside out is just playing 4d chess and it, it's one that like is like it should be seen as just an animated classic. Like it, it is fucking amazing. Uh, did anyone else have Inside Out? I, I it got it. At thirty-three. Okay, well we'll go to Chance. Yeah, so I think this movie does a great job of showing the showcasing the nuance of emotion. Like, it could have been so easy to just come in this movie and make sadness the villain or anger the villain. Someone just wants Riley to just feel that all the time. But no, I think what just does a great job of showing that there is like like in pain, like you're like you're gonna experience pain, you're gonna experience sadness in your life. But in that, there can be great joy and great beauty in that, and show that like everything is essential to make you a complete person. I think that I think that's really fascinating. Uh, I think it's I think it's really funny. I think that it's acted really well, and yeah, I think that everything Mark said is correct. It brings a lot of. It, it brings a lot of complexity. It'll break down the complexities of you know emotion growing up and feeling all these new things in the way that kids can understand. Kids can digest it, uh, and also the triple dent, the triple dent gum running joke. I think is uh, one of Pixar's best, one of Pixar's funniest moments. So yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh I think this movie is kind of special. Uh, it. Like everything, you can like dissect to the minimal capacity and find flaws in it. But I do do think that it kind of finds that weird alchemy, where you can uh, make a very very complex uh, thing simple by uh, presenting it this way. I think growing up is not easy for anybody, and I don't know if everyone remembers how one day you're a kid. And you get to play with toys and you get to watch cartoons and the next day you're expected to want to go to parties and hook up with girls and it just changes like this. And how this movie deals with that weird period in everybody's life and presents it in a way that even a small child can understand how emotions change is kind of beautiful. I really, really think uh, Pink Doctors, this is probably my favorite movie from him. Uh, no one else. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I really like Inside Out. Uh, just kind of the dynamic of let's really try to analyze the 
importance of each of these emotions and why they're actually like here and like really a movie about why we need sadness is something i don't know if i've really seen before especially aimed at kids and i think the fact that this movie does it and does it so eloquently i think is really beautiful actually um i i i really like a lot about this movie um this is a film that i i i like the drama elements more than I like the comedic elements, even though I think the comedic elements are good, but I, I think there are some that don't necessarily always work for me. Uh, but the, the dramatic elements are just so good, and this is just such a smart, creative movie. Uh, it, it is it is fantastic. Uh, Paul, uh, you're the only one that didn't have it. Yeah, I like this movie. I mean, this is like the most Pixar Pixar movie, I think. Like, this is the stuff Pixar does to the nth degree. The reason it missed out for me is I think it's a little didactic and I actually don't like how much it like, I think it oversimplifies a little bit. I still like what it's doing in general, but I think it oversimplifies some kind of complicated ideas that I think don't fit into the box they're trying to put it into. Uh, but I still think emotionally it really works and I like it just to miss out on this. That's fair. Uh, I just want to backtrack just a second here and shout out your name for being my favorite movie I watched for the first time for this list. Uh, that was, yeah. Uh, but now we are over to Nazario's three. Number three is the best fairy tale Disney Animation Studios has ever made, The Beauty and the Beast. Uh, this was my favorite movie for a long time uh, from the Disney Animated Studios. I, I still think that from some point of views, still can be said that it's the one that you cannot really point to flaws in it. I have another one that I obviously has flaws, but I don't know. It just grabs me in a different way. This one, though, it's uh, the perfect way to present the story of Beauty and the Beast uh, to a general audience. I think that the, the, the animated style that opens the movie just shows you, like, the movie starts with the beautiful score sounding and the, the image of the castle in the middle of the forest while they try, they explain the story of why the prince became a beast, why he was being selfish and he judge things uh, by what they first appear and didn't have a, a good heart. And it just jumps into a, the, the musical sensation that is the bell the bell song. Uh, it just, it's a movie that I don't think it has a lull. Like, I love every single song in the soundtrack and I think the movie has a perfect running time where it's not too long, it's not too short and it presents itself in this com like close loop where it starts great it never lets you down and it ends in a perfect note i also think Belle is probably my favorite disney princess because she has some personality and she gets to make her own decisions for the most part it's not a uh, one of the princesses that things happen to she kind of makes things happen she does the sacrifice for her father she makes the decision to get help she makes uh, she makes things happen in the movie. Uh, beautifully animated, best picture nominated. It, it's, it's a great movie. Okay. Uh, who else had this? I know Chance did. I did, yeah. Uh, no one else? I had it like at 32. Alright. I want to say Chance had it in like the... I, yeah, I, I had a little, a little higher than he did. Uh, yeah, Beauty and the Beast is, I, I think, one of the... It's the one that really 
kickstarted Disney back into like the prestige conversation. I mean, Little Mermaid kind of did that as far as like money goes, but as far as like being taken seriously, as far as quality of the films go, Being the Beast is the one that did that. Um, I think that uh, yeah, like like I said, the songs are great. I love the I love the relationship between uh, Belle and the Beast. A little morally questionable, but still, I think I think you do buy into it. Um, I think the side characters are funny. Like Lumiere and Cosmo get a lot of laughs. Uh, Mrs. Potts is always going to hold a special place in, my, in uh, my heart. I think she's a really... I also just love Angela Lansbury. I think she's the first voice part for the uh, Yeah, and I think that it has a great sense of scale to it, uh, which is something that a lot of Disney anime... Like, it, it, it has scale that no anime movie, Disney anime movie, had had at that point, which I think is incredibly impressive for 1991. So, yeah, uh, I, I think this is a great film. Oh, yeah. Uh, or what? Oh, yeah, Mark, you had it. Uh, yeah, like um, like I had it like at thirty-two, like thirty. Like I mean, uh, it, it is hard to, it is really hard to kind of like talk down like the artistry of it. it. It is kind of awesome that like Disney made like just an animated Broadway play. You know, that, that that's just kind of what it is, and like that's really neat the songs are great and you know there's a lot of timelessness of it like all that stuff is so good we we do all of us really do overlook overlook the stockholm syndrome of it all but you know it i mean the i mean that it i mean we we i mean we can't we can't understate the like just the the artistry being a piece which which why it's on the list there's a great video by Lindsay ellis basically breaking down why the stockholm syndrome thing is stupid uh, and I, I recommend it. Uh, but anyway, Beauty don't watch Anyway, Beauty and the Beast is my favorite Disney princess movie. <laughs> my favorite Disney Renaissance movie. My favorite Disney movie is Little Yeah. Uh, it used to be Beauty and the Beast for the longest time. Um, Beauty and the Beast. It, it's also my favorite Disney musical. Uh, Beauty and the Beast is the movie that uh, was my parents' first date. So it is a movie I was shown uh. a lot as a child. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's a great film. Uh, I, I love that Gaston, in like the earlier Disney movies, probably would have been the hero. And they really do flip a lot of the elements of past Disney movies on their head without like going, wink, hey, we're flipping this like a lot of the modern Disney movies do, which I don't have a problem with, but like it does it without having to show off. And I appreciate that. Paul, you did not have Beauty and the Beast on your list. Yeah, it's weird. I feel like this Beauty and the Beast is a weird one where now that I think about it, it's like I probably do like it more than I think I do, which probably doesn't really make sense. I like the I love the music and I really like a lot of the characters. I guess I don't love Belle as much as other people. I don't find her as like rich, I guess, of a character as I think it seems like other people seem to connect to her in a different way. And the romance I, I've never really fully bought in the same way. But the music's incredible, it looks great. Um yeah, it it, it was probably pretty close, but I just don't think of it as a favorite. Now to your two. Uh, my number two is uh, the epitome of a, the type of movie that I feel like Boatman and Mark talked about earlier as being like boring or not much happening, um, but I love it. My number two is Whisper of the Heart. Um, this to me is like my number one comfort movie. And like, it's a movie where if I'm feeling in a bad mood, I always go to this for some reason. And it's about this young girl named Shizuku um, 
who has dreams of being a writer and you know she she meets this boy and has an interesting connection to him and then he has his own separate dreams but um it's about her pursuing her creative passions i think um despite you know having things to overcome and obstacles and her and insecurities um and it just is the most wonderful and delightful little character piece um, about someone finding the thing that they care about the most and pursuing it and like giving their all to it. And you see her parents struggle with that, the choice at first, but I love the way that the movie allows her to embrace it. And this, there's a musical sequence in this that is like one of my favorite scenes in any movie. I think it's so perfect and delightful. Um, and the, the use of, you know, Take Me Home Country Roads is kind of what this movie is famous for, but I think it uses it so intelligently in the way that, like, it's this class rewriting the song for themselves is so beautiful. And I love this the character of Shizuku, and I think, like, her connection to, you know, Seiji as a character um, and Seiji's grandfather, who's, like, an amazingly warm and, and wonderful person. Um, this is just, again, this is, like, the way that people feel about Totoro, I think I feel about this, is, like, this is, like, my warm hug movie, um, and it always puts me in a good mood. And like, it's not as ambitious as other movies, I think, on this list, but I think it's so beautifully designed and every little piece really fits. Um, I think it's just fucking absolutely delightful and I love it so, so much. No one else had it. What about the cat returns, though? We already talked about that. No one else had this, right? You're the one with the hard death. No one else had this, right? No, definitely. I find it weird that you're like, I, I don't know, I... I don't know if I necessarily agree with some of your descriptors, Paul, but maybe it's just because I really love this movie. Oh, really? Uh, I really enjoyed Whisper of the Heart. Not quite as much as your name. That's still my favorite movie I watched for this. But Whisper of the Heart, I thought, was excellent. Uh, I think it's because I really connected with the main character. Mm -hmm. uh, that type of, like, insecure, wanting to do something, but being very afraid of, like, what people are going to think. I I very much connect to that. Um, I, I really like the the way they represent her riding with the, the trees and the jewels and the, the, the baron. Uh, I think all of that is, it's a really cool way to kind of, same thing that The Wind Rises does it, where they kind of insert this magical feeling into a non-magical scenario. I really like that. But overall, I, I really like just the the struggle of the main character to just put themselves out there. And I, I really like that. Uh, I think this movie's really, really good. It's what I want to watch again. Uh, I thought it was excellent. Uh, it went very up into my Ghibli ranking. It's kind of like my five or fourth favorite Ghibli. So I liked it more than you thought I would. Um, yeah. uh, so has anyone else seen this? No. Nah. I saw it 25 years ago, and oh, yeah. I don't remember most of it. Mark? Uh, yeah, I, I will say, like, uh, Paul, I think is spot on as analysis on me. Like, I, uh, I, I don't know, man. I think the best movie this, this the best thing this movie did was it, it gave us the cat returns. <laughs> honestly, now that I've seen Whisper of the Heart, that cat returns love honestly makes me even a little more mad. I, yeah, honestly, this movie makes me like the cat return last. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. uh, Chance, your two. Number two with me a lot of Cody points, but he's not hosting. This is The Lion King. Okay. Yeah, this is one of the ones that I... This is the first Disney film that I really remember loving when I first saw it. 
uh, I think that well, there's a lot of things left. First of all, like I talk about scale being a new, I think this is probably you just scale to the nth degree in this film. Like it's just a massive animated movie. This is this, this, this Jack composition. The fact that they use every inch of the frame, which is it's like, it's like not all animated movies do. Um, I think the music is great. I think the story is great, even though it's just uh, just it basically kind of retelling Hamlet in some differences, but it is retelling Hamlet. Um, I think the acting is fantastic. I think James Earl Jones is excellent. Jeremy Irons is one of the greatest people in the Scar. Music is phenomenal. Um, great, great animation, great story, and I think it's infinitely rewatchable for me. I, I can put this on at any time and just watch it and, and just get the same emotion out of it that I, that I always do. I think it's very funny. I think it's very well written, and yeah, I think there's a reason it's regarded one of his best and one of his one of the classics of the pantheon because it does had an emotional resonance for, for people. Uh, I think it's yeah. There's 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 a lot I love about. It. I also love the idea, the moral of you know, it, don't just run for your past. Like learn from it. I think it's something. I think it's a unique lesson that a lot of people a lot of people don't uh, really talk about very much. So yeah, I think this film's great, and so much so that I don't even. Care that two of the blackest actors of all time somehow made two of the whitest actors of all time. <laughs> so, yeah, we're good. Uh, so who else had this? Uh, 16. Um, 20. Okay, I'll, I'll go. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, like, this was another movie I killed as a kid. I mean, it, it is, um, there, there's a lot of, like, uh, I feel like quote unquote perfect moments of this movie. The, uh, the, the beginning is probably just a perfect moment, like in cinematic history. Just like it is fucking awesome to watch. Uh, Scar is an incredible villain. I think even to like his character design is is really neat. I kind of love how he just has like this slender look that like he's always like, just kind of given this look that he's always hungry for more. Like that that is just kind of a a neat side thing. Like the like there, there, like a lot of moments that give me like the one that strangely like gets me a lot is like when like he's walking back after Mufasa saves him from the hyenas and stuff, and he steps in his paw print, and like it just is just like this tiny thing, and like in his massive paw print of his of his father, like is just really cool and interesting. Uh, I th- I think honestly the only reason why it's not in the top ten just because I feel like for a few of the movies I have it just. It doesn't. This one it doesn't hold up just quite as well like just other like movies I saw from my childhood. But it it, it it's still it's, it's still fucking awesome. It's still one of Disney Disney's best. All right uh, now. Sorry. Uh, oh yeah. I had it at twenty. Uh, it's a very good movie. Uh, is it perfect? No, but what is? So the the thing is that I like this period of Disney so much that I find things to love in movies that other people probably don't love as much as I do. And there is something instinctive of, I don't know what it is, when something becomes very popular, they just start kind of rejected inherently, which is what I think happened to me originally with The Lion King. But I went back to it. Like, for a long time, I, I, I just had it lower on like a bunch of lists because, you know, everybody said it was the best, so it probably wasn't. But yeah, when you when I gave it another shot, yeah, the movies the movies very, very good. Like uh, the story, it's very, you know, Hamlety, but it's still presented in a way that kids can can appreciate. And I like Jeremy Irons the best. He's fucking treasure. Yeah, I'm not gonna spend too much time talking about this one. It's The Lion King. Like it's a great movie. Uh, just 
the songs are fantastic. The the characters are all great. You've all seen it. You all know it. Like there, there's not too much I can add. Y'all covered it. Paul? Yeah, Cody prefers his Hamlet lines. I prefer mine in 1950s Japan, which is just how things work. Um, <laughs> which is a curse out movie. But anyway, I think this is a, a really very good movie. I just don't. I've never connected to Simba a ton as a character, so it's like it just is never a favorite favorite for me. Um, and also another Disney Renaissance movie that won the Oscar for the wrong song, but it is what it is. I'll agree with that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> accurate as fuck. Yeah. So, um, Mark, your two. Oh uh, yeah, my uh, my uh, pun slight pun from earlier, Toy Story three. Don't call it a pun. <laughs> how big of a genre. I did, I did it again. I did it again. Fuck. Sorry. So well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I. It, this movie is just a a fucking perfect cap to a trilogy. It, and I think in ways that I I don't know if any other movie will honestly ever achieve like i like it just like i like it 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 kind it it weirdly turns it's like 10 year gap like yeah like it's uh like an 11 year gap from like from like kind of like from the second to the third into like this weird strength and they which again like this movie came out when i was fucking when i was fucking going to college so like it, it fucking hit me hard like on that angle like of just kind of leave at least from from Andy's angle of like leaving your childhood behind and kind of starting this new chapter of your life and and again like I, I point to I, what I'm starting to see like it, I, I guess for me is a weird take but like this weird like parenting theme that you know at least like kind of this, the Toy Story sequels a build of kind of Woody being the pseudo dad of him kind of looking like kind of facing down the barrel of like kind of what like his subtle fear of of like okay this is this is the time when yeah my like my kid is going to be out of my life and I, like i i have to kind of i i got to face face down like that okay like i i kind of need to face i i i'm going to need to say goodbye on that like and it it hits on that so hard and like fucking Watso is just a is just like goddamn perfect villain like I mean, honestly, like most most like most great villains are just like guys that you know are, are dark version of that character a lot. So it's just a dark version of Woody, a a guy like who's a, a a character like whose faith is just broken from just a particular moment, and it's it's done perfectly. And like just the the last like 20, 30 minutes of this movie are, are just fucking fucking chef's kiss. They're they're amazing. Like it. The, the the last line of this movie hits me every single fucking time. Like I just like I don't think we're ever going to find a better trilogy or like a better ending than Toy Story three. I it's it's never ever going to happen, which is kind of why like the Toy Story four just kind of pissed me off. But whatever, Toy Story three is fucking amazing. Okay, uh, who else had this? I know I had three. Yeah, I did not have it. Nazar, did you have it? No, I had two. Go ahead, Chance. Yeah, so I think Toy Story 3, uh, I know people will, will call it like emotionally manipulative or cheap. I don't think that is. I, I find that to be just years of build emotional payoff because that long gap kind of helped, kind of aids it. Because if they, they released it like two years after the second Toy Story, it wouldn't work. They need to let that audience, they need to let the audience like continue the connection with the, with the first two films in order for this to land. Because, and I do think, and I think we'll work about this fact that 
I call it basically the antithesis of Toy Story 2, where like that one deals with immortality, one deals with mortality, and you're dealing with the fact that hey, your purpose, your like your life as you know it, it's about to end, and what do you like? How are you going to take it? <laughs> and I think it's really interesting. And what I talked about with the Prophet to Pete earlier, well, I think lots of works, and Pete doesn't as much for me. I think I think I think he's good, but I, mean, I don't think he works as much because all his motivation basically is set in one sentence, and like maybe you just gotta take it as it is. Lots of you get to build up. You get to like build that emotional attachment to him. You get to, to see him be friendly, er, and bring you in. And like when he turns and does that turn coat, I think it's it's more impactful. He has a more to me at least more um, compelling backstory. So I think he works better as a villain for this film. But yeah, and look, everyone's talking about the you know the scene of the furnace where they all just like accept like hey you know this is it, this is it for us. And then when that final scene with Andy, I think it was just a perfect capper to that first series of film. Even though I love the fourth, the fourth one, I think it's a perfect capper to first three. Uh, yeah, I'm not the biggest Toy Story three guy. I think it is a good movie. I just don't love it. It's my least favorite of the four, to be honest. It just. I just think a lot of the notes that three hits, four and two do better specifically two, it just has a lot of the story beats of two. And I think that, like, I'm not big on Lotto. I've just never, like, connected to him as a villain. I always thought, I always thought he was a very obvious villain. Like, I called that from the trailers when I was. And like more, like if you want to say that about Sneaky Pete, I feel like you have to say that about Lotso too. Um, is that that he's obvious? I think, I think he, it's better in execution with Lotso. 100%, 100%. I don't really agree, but fair. Um, I, I also just don't like, I, I, I've never been a big fan of the Spanish buzz subplot, uh, or, or just the whole like resetting buzz in general, because I think. Getting us a reset buzz is another beat Toy Story 2 did better. I just think there are so many things in this movie that are just not that fresh. I think it's a movie that that ending is what really hits people, and I get it, but that ending does, doesn't hit me like that because I was like 10 when I saw the movie, and it, I just don't have that giant connection to the ending. I'm sorry. Um, the one thing I really like about this movie is Bonnie. I think Bonnie, it shows us, hey, let's get a character who has the same, like, imagination and creativity, but from, like, a different, per- of Andy, but, like, from a different perspective. I also love the opening sequence of seeing Andy's play from Andy's perspective. That's really cool. But overall, I've just never been big on this movie. Um, it's it's good. It's just never been my favorite. Uh, so uh, Paul Nazario. Yeah, this used to be my favorite Toy Story. It's not anymore. I, the Incinerator stuff doesn't work for me, honestly. On rewatches, the first time it did, the very ending still does when he's giving away the toys. I think that moment's perfect. But I think some of the other Incinerator stuff doesn't work. I think Lotso is a better villain than Prospect Repeat, but the movie overall is still not like super high heights for me but again i love the opening and then some of the like kind of crime stuff where they're kind of like sneaking around and doing all these plots to sneak out of the room that stuff's fun but it's not the movie itself um, not quite on that level for me. same actually this and two always were flipping side and it's still my second favorite uh basically for the same reasons i do like lots so better than sneaky pete but the movie overall it's number two is better 
Uh, props to Tortilla, Mr. Potato Head. So, now we are at Nazario's too. Uh, my number two, I shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. It's my favorite Disney movie of all time. I have said it before. It is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. This movie does have flaws, pretty obvious ones. They are called The Gargoyles. The song is called A Guy Like You. It's all shit. But the rest of the movie, it's so goddamn great that I can look at that stuff and just move on. It has my favorite music overall on the on the disney canon uh hellfire is by far my favorite song the bells of notre dame is beautiful i like uh the the one she sings to uh, god save the outcast out there is great i think that story itself it was the best possible way to adapt a story that has been used as the basis of a horror movie into a kids musical and i think for the most part it works i like the fact that they do not change the ending they do not make it that uh, esmeralda would end up with quasimodo no matter how much she loves her because that is not a realistic expectation i like that uh, getting to be friends with people is it's what he get to connect to another human being ends up being his price frollo is a giant douchebag and i love it he's my favorite <laughs> disney villain the man has a song about I'm so horny for this woman, God, that you either give it to me or burn her alive. And he oh, whack it into a fireplace. He burns the freaking city down. And Paris looks just as beautiful in this movie as you can possibly see in animated versions. I love The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I don't care what anybody else says. It's great on rewatches. Never, ever watch the sequel. It's a piece <laughs> uh, Yeah, uh, no one else had this, right? No, no. <laughs> I get it. I'm not going to penalize you guys for not having this one because I get it. I love this movie, though. Uh, I think this movie gets into a lot of weird, dark, psychological things that, like, maybe Disney shouldn't tackle, but, like, I don't care. They do it well, and they do it without, like, you know what he's talking about if you know what he's talking about, but it never feels like too off-putting, but it's something of just the right amount of off-putting. Uh, I think Esmeralda's a great character. I like Phoebus. Uh I, I think Quasimodo. I, I really like Tom Hulse. I've never understand the hatred for Tom Hulse or his singing voice. I think Out There is a great song. Uh, yeah, Frollo is a top-tier Disney villain, probably my favorite Disney villain. Great movie. Yeah, I like this movie a lot. Honestly, probably more than most people do. I think Frollo's a great villain. I just think um, maybe it's just Quasimodo as a character doesn't fully. Again, my thing with Disney is if the protagonist is not like doesn't totally connect, the movie itself is just gonna miss by a little bit. So I like this. I like the movie a lot, probably more than most people, but not quite enough to make my list. Yeah, I like the movie too. I don't. I don't think it's bad. I don't, I don't think it's a bad choice for a top forty. It's just not one that's one of. It was never one of my favorite Disney movies. I think it's good, but it wasn't one that's good. Top 40. I just haven't seen it in a while, so that's part of it. Oh yeah, it's. Honestly, I do like that it, it is another movie that's just a that really is just a Broadway play. I'll give you this, Mazzaria. This movie has balls. I mean, it, it goes places you don't think it's going to go. So does um, Pompoco. I, I, so does Pompoco. That be <laughs> I, I just don't think the execution there. is all the way there. But yeah, like, this movie is fucking wild. 
Um, yeah, so to my number one, um, and I'm just going to say this, I think it, as of right now, this could obviously change. I think this is my favorite movie of all time, period. Um, my number one is Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Oh, it's overtaken network, damn. Um, I yeah. think so, yeah. And to me, that's because to me, Nausicaa is like the perfect character because I think she represents so many things that I love about movies. Um, she is like this force of undying optimism that even though the world around her is kind of crumbling and things are going really horribly, she remains positive and she tries to do what she can to make other people's lives better. And I love that, you know, she is the selfless person who like, even at her young age is not afraid of putting herself in danger for other people's sake. Um, the score in this, the Joe Hisaishi score is like, to me, one of the great musical scores ever, especially at the end when there's the chanting when she's surrounded by the golden glow. I think that is incredible. I think the action is also really fun and like the way that she flies around in her glider and the different battles that are kind of taking place between these different factions of people um, and all the mythology. There's so much world that you can feel that, again, like I mentioned this before, you can feel the world that exists before this and it exists in, like, there's so, it's expansive um, and there's clearly a history there that is, like, tangible that you can feel. Um, and I love the character of Lord Yupa, you know, Patrick Stewart's great in the dub is him um, and all these other characters that I think, like, are great pieces in this puzzle. But I think Nausicaa is like the main reason that I love this movie so much and what she represents about the world that she's in here. Um, and I just love that as a protagonist, she is so active, uh, but also she lets other people shine at the same time. She's not making it all about herself. She's like, you know, what can I do to help other people out? And I think that's like incredible sentiment. Um, and this movie like makes me emotional and also like just makes me feel so fulfilled. Um, and I just, every time I watch it, I come away just like, man, I fucking love movies. And like this movie is just, it's just it for me. I don't know. It's everything that I, pretty much everything I want in a movie. Yeah, this this movie's great. Uh, I'm not usually super big on these like fantasy world like kind of like like what I said about Princess Mononoke. I really respect Princess Mononoke, but like I didn't like love 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 it. I love Nausicaa. There is one thing I did not like about the movie, uh, but that is. And I don't want to spoil it because it's technically a spoiler, but it's a very obvious thing that you can kind of guess what happens. And that's that's the one thing I don't like. Other than that, I think the film is excellent. I really like how it basically you see all these different worlds essentially, and like the, the different kind of factions, and they're all kind of weaving in and out of each other and I think that's really cool and then how Nausicaa kind of brings that all together uh, I, I think this is an excellent film, uh, totally fair I think this is my second favorite film. Uh, so anyone else? Is, I should have watched this because I knowing Paul I should have watched this but I didn't uh, I have not seen it because I was told it would not count for trivia purposes or did I They've kind of folded it into the, but it's technically was made before it was found. Yeah. So. I actually did watch this when I was very, very young. I have never seen the dub that Disney did in 2005, so I don't know if it works better. Uh, I It kind of has, like, I have remember scenes, I remember things, I remember a good feeling from it, but I cannot even tell you what the whole movie is beginning to end. Probably should watch it again. Okay. Chance! There one. Yeah, all right. So uh, my number one is uh, Yikes from a while back. My number one is Toy Story, the OG. Uh, uh, this is embarrassing. It's my number. Is that one. your one too? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Okay then. Official. All right. Uh, 
so yeah, uh, Toy Story for me, I think that well, I mean, obviously this this, this is a game changer in not just animated movies, just movies in general. Like nothing like this ever been done before, and I think that it holds up in a lot of ways. I think Woody is one of the great anime characters of the past of the past couple decades. I think I think Buzz Lightyear is, is, is amazing. I think the cast of characters is fantastic. It's, it's really well written. Um, but I think what puts this over the edge for me is the fact that I credit this a lot for being the movie that makes me love movies. So, kind of like Paul Nazico. This makes me, this that made me love movies. Like, I am, like, not everyone, but I know when I was a kid, I would watch this one so much that I would just burn through VHS tapes. They had to keep buying them because I kept watching Toy Story so, so often. And even as I've gotten older and I was watching it as an adult, I think it still holds up. Like, the, writing, the writing still holds up, the character work still holds up. And, even though I think that there are Pixar movies that are animated better than this, because there are, I will not deny that there are better that there are better animated movies, the better animated Pixar movies than this, and there may be better there are maybe better written ones, there are maybe ones that pack more emotional punch than this. I do think that for me, this, number one, was, this is going to be number one a question because this one got me into film in general. I I still think I still think the great I think it holds up. I will watch it any time it's on. And just the final scene of Buzz and Woody fly when they lose the rocket and they just fly, I think is it's always going to be a great moment of triumph for me. I adore this movie; it's one of my favorites of all time. And yeah, when I knew this was this was coming, this was going to be number one, no question. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, it, it like uh, I mean, I, I keep arguing back to just movies I watched as a kid, ton of times. Th- this movie is responsible for me closing my bedroom door and then trying to open it really fast to like kind of catch my toys being alive. But like, uh, yeah, the, it, yeah, even though like I kind of shit on everybody's like, uh, like war, uh, like warm, like, like comfort food movies. This is, this movie is exactly that for me. It, it is, I, I feel like just nuts and nuts and bolts screenplay. It, it's kind of perfectly constructed. I think Woody is just a, like through the totality of, I would even include the fourth movie in this. He is just maybe just one of the best characters in film ever. Like just as just had one of the best ongoing arcs, like in just anything. Um, like like I I just kind of love how this story progresses and just kind of how like Woody's kind of faced with failure for the first time and. Again, I'll harken back to that parenting theme that, you know, he he's kind of looking at the first time like his kid is not seeing him as like the most important thing in the world to him. And just Sid is just a fucking perfect villain. He, he really like just even do his character design just looks like just like just the creepiest fucking kid ever. And just like just, like it. And it's also one where, like, I like I kind of put on reprieve a lot just because, like, whenever I because I, I killed it as a kid, but you know, I I bought the I bought the Blu-ray like right before I left for college, and I fucking loved that thing the same way I loved it when I was four years old. It's one of the few movies I think for me that has truly stood the test of time. It's one that is just I, I've held near and dear to me for about as long as I've been. Uh, Paul, you had this, right? Yeah, I had this at 33. Um, I will say, thanks to a movie from 2002, this does not feature the ugliest animated character named Sid. Um, but um, oh, I, this movie gave us a lot of things. You know, the 
classic we're not aiming for the truck meme that was memed into existence when i was in high school but i think this is the funniest pixar movie for me and that's why i'd like to go back to it i spent a long time without rewatching when i came back to it i forgot like i mean just that you are not a toy will never not make me laugh that is so fucking funny the way that he delivers the line is perfect um and yeah it is it's so delightfully short too like it's a crisp 90 minutes it's like get in it's actually 80 something i think but um like mark said i was taught the screenplay in film school um, like, so like, obviously it is sort of test of time in terms of the way that it's received, but, um, it's a great, I mean, it's such a perfect introduction piece, the way that it introduces you to the world of these characters through the animation itself in some ways has an angel, but I think in some ways it's impressive that it still looks as, as good as it does in some ways too. Um, but yeah, Toy Story, it's just, it's a terrific, it's so much fun. God, I just like could turn it on anytime. Okay. Uh, sorry, you didn't have this, right? Toy Story is a movie I have a weird relationship with. Because no, no, no. Uh, I I grew up watching Toy Story, uh, but it was always like it was always consistently like a back pocket movie as opposed to one like I watch all the time. It was like eh, mm. yeah, Toy Story. But as I have gotten older, I have liked Toy Story more, the first one. Um, Buzz and Woody is just such an interesting dynamic. Because it would have been so easy to make Buzz a dick. But he really isn't. He's, he's not aware of the world and how he is actually kind of hurting Woody. Um, but that's not Buzz's fault. That's just, he's just proto-Drax. He's just proto-Drax. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, actually. Uh, and Buzz's crisis. I think this is easily like the best use of the character of Buzz. Uh, Buzz's crisis with the sailing song is actually like legitimately like kind of heartbreaking. And the way he like goes into like a mental kind of breakdown because of it is actually like uh, really Nesbitt. I don't believe that man's ever been to medical school. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, I, yeah, I think this movie is excellent. It, it's, a, it's a great film. Um, it's my second favorite Toy Story. I'm sorry. This one, it's... Uh, I had a, also a weird relationship with the original Toy Story. Uh, I was really, like, hyped in my teen years for the Disney Renaissance and somehow when this movie came out like like it came out the same year as Pocahontas which was not great so everything around everywhere Disney World and TV and everything was Toy Story Toy Story Toy Story and I kind of felt like it was taking away the hype from the Disney movement and it pissed me off so I kind of rejected it initially it's weird but those are the things that people do when you're a teenager and pitch sides uh, but then the second one came out and the second one is perfect and then it made me appreciate a bit more of the first one. I still think two and three are better than one. I feel like the original concept was simple enough for kids to enjoy, but I think that it, the, this attachment that we get to our toys and our nostalgia, it's something that they actually explore way deeper and in better ways in the sequels. Maybe not in four, but that's another thing. But yeah, I think overall, the, the, as a franchise, the trilogy is fucking great. Four is fine, but I would place this one be below two and three. So I just put the two in my list. Okay. Nazario. 
Your number one? To the surprise of no one, uh, my number one is Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, this movie, it's tailor-made for me. It's created by my favorite director, uh, created as in he wrote a book and they adapted it, as in he got producer's credit and uh, approved all the designs that were made for the, the story. But it's directed by Henry Selick, which is in its own right a legend at stop animation. He did Coraline, which is my number 11. And I think the fact that this movie was done at the same time that Tim Burton was making Batman Returns actually is kind of for the better because, because it allows the movie to appreciate the, all the gothic elements and atmosphere and the elements that, that Burton gets to these movies, but none of his idiosyncrasies. Danny Elfman's uh, soundtrack is amazing. It's, it's uh, one I know front and back. I can listen to every single song and I love it. He is Jack Skellington when he sings. And it's, I think it's just a, such a simple story too. It's a fable about how if every holiday has its own land and they just keep doing the same thing over and over, eventually you will get depressed. You don't want to. You don't want to keep doing the same thing over again. You saw this thing; it's new, it's fantastical. You want to explore, but also teaches us that sometimes we should know when we shouldn't in getting by involved in other people's business if we do not know what we're doing. Uh, every single design, it's beautiful. The stop animation looks amazing. Like I said, the song, everything is memorable. And it's wrapped in a 76-minute package, which is just perfect. It never feels like it overstays. Welcome. It's a movie I can watch at any time, any day, and we'll always love it. Uh, yeah, uh, Chance, you had this, right? Yeah, I had this at nine. I think, yeah, this is... I, I think gothic environments and gothic stories play really well in animation. Adding is the epitome of that. Uh, I think aesthetically, to me, is incredible. I think it looks amazing. I think just everything just looks in, in, interesting and it's, done, and it's done in a really cool way. Uh, I think the, yeah, like the, the story stuff is, is, is fascinating. I love Jack Skellington as a protagonist. The music's, the music's great. And yeah, it's a, it's a crisp under 80 minutes. Uh, I, it's a great holiday movie. You can you can literally watch this from Halloween to Christmas, and you're never gonna feel like on that. a loop. On a loop, yeah. Watch it every day. Um, but yeah, no, I I adore this movie. It's my favorite Sondage movie of all time. And yeah, I there's no there's no way this is not gonna be on my list. I think this movie is a nice piece of atmosphere, but I'm not big on it. I, I, there's just, I, I think it's just, it doesn't have that extra edge. It, it's, it's good, like, Halloween-y, spooky, like, atmosphere, but it's, it's never really, like, worked for me. It's never been a film I've liked, even as a kid. I've, I've never been, like, in love with it. I think it's a fun story, and it looks cool, but I, I've just never found myself attached to it. I think this is a really weird number one. I Maybe it's because there have been people that have just made this their whole personality. And like that has kind of... Yeah, those people are weird. Those people are weird. I, I'll be honest, I love the band, but I blame Blink-182 for making that happen. Uh, that's that's a little bit their fault. I blame that band for a lot of things. Fire Festival is one of them. Yeah. <laughs> 
That was not their fault. That was they were on the ticket. They put that blame on Ja Rule, man. I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Anyway, that's not important. We're getting crunched for time here. Uh, I I think this is a fine movie, but both of you having it in the top ten is really weird. I get it for Nazario. I think it's weird for Chancellor. Because Nazario has made Tim Burton his whole person. What is with the targeting? Like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, like, Nazario, I give a little bit because, like, he's Tim Burton, Tim Burton, Tim Burton. This, but uh, I expect more from you. Edit, anyway, I, I mean, one thing that is not this movie's fault, also, but like, debates about whether movies count as X holiday movies are like so boring and not interesting. And like, this movie gets the brunt of it where it's like, is it a Christmas? It's like, who cares? Watch it whatever the November fuck you want to watch. Watch it whatever the fuck you want to watch. Um, I think it's a nice movie that i've never really connected to too much either um maybe it's the music i don't know maybe i mean the goth aesthetic for stop motion has never pulled me in too much i think so maybe that's a part of it too um but uh, something about it is just like i, I really like Coraline, but this one does not quite do it for me i don't know why mark i don't know maybe we should start a debate right now if die hard is a christmas movie uh I I no, but i haven't seen it so like sorry Fair. Okay, uh, so that is it for the actual tens. Uh, so first, we did it, guys. We made it through. So first, grades for the actual top tens. Uh, in last place, and I want to make sure I've actually got this. Who? Yeah. Okay. Uh, in last place, uh, with a B minus. None of you actually think did that bad. But last place with a B minus is Nazario. Oh! <laughs> Nazario had some great movies on his list, but honestly, having Nightmare at one is really what hurt him at the end of the day. I'm also not like big on Totoro, so that kind of hurt. But he he had some really good movies. It's just I I think this was a everyone had really good top tens. Uh. Also with a B minus in third place, I have Chance Ellison. Chance okay. had some quality films on his list. I really like the mini adventure when you who pick. Really the thing that kept you with the B minus was the Fantasia pick. That was the, the thing that hurt you. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll he had three Toy Stories. <laughs> yeah, and I like all three Toy Stories. Then the first, the Toy Story 1 and 2 are great. Toy Story 2 deserves to be in the top 10. Uh, then uh, second place uh, with a B, uh, I have uh, Paul. Oh, damn. Uh, I really, I'm not, I wasn't big on Only Yesterday. That's really what hurt you. And I thought, oh, the time was good, not great. Uh, but you had some good ones in there. But overall, like you. It was a, it was a lot of movies I like not love, and the winner of tonight, Mr. Mark Menchaca. Uh, Mark Menchaca, yes. Shrek. Oh my God. Shrek and a goofy movie. Wow. But I I admitted those are good movies. I thought they were weird to have them. Oh, three Toy Stories. Yeah, good three Toy Stories. He had The Incredibles. He had Inside Out. He had Ratatouille. He had a really good top 10. Uh, so, 
now grades. Do we have winners for the overall? Oh, yeah. I I, I was just about to get into it. Uh, Your grades for the overall in last place with a C, Chance Ellison. (laughs) Dude, you had some good picks, but Fantasia and Dumbo and not having Ratatouille or Lilo and Stitch and you just had some rough misses, and that hurt you overall. Uh, third place with a B minus overall, Nazario. Nazario had you had some weird picks, like in your bottom half. Uh, you also just had some omissions, like Spirited Away, as a rough miss, and you made up for it by saying it was over, but. I'm judging your list, not your list. You handed in for three weeks late. Uh, and Nightmare at number one is easily the worst number one of the three. Um, yeah, it's yeah, no, it's easily the worst of the three number ones. Um, yeah, uh, second place uh, with a B, Mark Menchaca. This had some weird ones towards the end. Uh, but you you had a lot of quality films. And number one, Paul. Paul had really also with the B. Uh, you had some omissions there, and that's kind of what brought you down a little bit. Um, but you, you had a lot of good films, and a lot of films I was happy to be. Introduced I introduced to. you to so many wonderful yes. pieces of. And that is what I was happy for. Your name is fantastic film. Uh, so now the overall top four of your combined list. Oh boy. It's gonna be insane. It's gonna this be is so very nice. weird. It's gonna be wild. Uh the 40, the great mouse detective. 39, Akira. 38, Rise of the Guardians. 37, The Incredible. 36, How to Train Your Dragon. 35, Ew, Fantasia. 34, also a little bit only yesterday. 33, Whoa. Aladdin. 32, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. 31, Shrek. 30, Delivery Service. 29, 28, Someone's Dying. Batman Under the Red Hood. Uh, 27, The Lego Movie. 26, The Hunchback and Notre Dame. Oh, wow. What? Of the Heart. 24, Nazca of the Valley of the Wind. 23, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. 22, Coraline. 21, My Neighbor Totoro. 20, Beauty and the Beast. 19, Up. 18, Princess Mononoke. 17, Finding Nemo. 16, Ratatouille. 15, Inside Out. 14, Too Low, Lilo and Switch. 13, The Nightmare Before Christmas. 12, Batman Master Phantasm. 11, Toy Story 3. And the top 10. 10, Fantastic Mr. Fox. 9, Your Name. 8, Toy Story. 7, Toy Story 2. 6, Spirited Away, five, The Iron Giant, four, The Lion King, three, Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, two, Grave of the Fireflies, and number one of all time, according to this wow. panel, is Wally, which yeah, is wow. That was a weird a weird. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are weird people, if we're being honest. You had some weird picks. Uh, but I'd like to thank you to this panel. This is a weird and wonderful journey. I want to give a special thank you to Chance for being a real good sport this whole time. I know I picked on you a little bit. Yeah, you, 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 you too, man. Thank you for putting up all the metrics. <laughs> he had some awful opinions, but I, I respect him as a person. Caleb, um, Caleb Bowman doesn't care about black people. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> 
And I'm uncomfortable again. Thank you to Paul for introducing me to some new movies. Thank you to Mark for letting me talk about Recess. Thank you to Nazario for just being Nazario. Uh, so, everybody, thank you all for watching. I know this is a long night and a long four episodes, but I appreciate it very much. Thank you to Cody and the Wireless team for letting me host. Uh, next week, remember, something else to do. Stop. Let's go. Top 100 starts up again. Thank you to everybody. Have a good one. One.